It's time for Twit This Week in Tech. Ben Brock Johnson is here from WBUR in Boston. Larry Magid from, well, I'm proud to say it, the BBC World Service and an old friend. And Devendra Hardawar, senior editor at Engadget. Lots to talk about. Devendra is the only person I've talked to who actually likes the new Microsoft Duo phone. Well, aside from me, we'll talk about that. Apple versus WordPress, Apple versus Epic. Mark Zuckerberg, does he have too much power? And the zero-day exploit that Microsoft didn't fix for two whole years. All that's coming up next on Twit. This Week in Tech comes to you from Twit's LastPass Studios. You're focused on security, but are your employees LastPass can ensure they are by making access and authentication seamless, whether employees are working in the office or remotely. Visit LastPass.com slash Twit to learn more. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Twit, This Week in Tech, episode 785, recorded Sunday, August 23rd, 2020. Vote before the asteroid hits. This episode of This Week in Tech is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging, especially with everything else you have to consider today. But there's one place where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. That place is ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash twit. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And by Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just $15 a month with their three-month introductory plan. And you can get the plan shipped to your door free at mintmobile.com slash twit. And by Salesforce Service Cloud. Salesforce Service Cloud is the world's number one customer service platform that empowers organizations to deliver service from anywhere, home, in the office, or in the field. Go to bit.ly slash salesforce for service to find out more. And by monday.com. Monday.com is a flexible platform to manage any team, project, or workflow online. Collaborate, plan, and track everything your team is working on wherever you are. To start your free 14-day trial, go to monday.com slash twit. It's time for Twit This Week in Tech, the show where we cover the week's tech news. I haul in a bunch of accomplished, talented journalists to ruin their reputations on this show each week. Some of them actually come back, like Devendra Hardawar. We've just Hello. established you. this is more than your seventh year on the show. Something like oh, that. Oh, man. It's been a while, but I love coming back every time. Thanks love for having, having you. Senior editor at Engadget. Moved to from his, he's no longer a Brooklyn hipster. Still He's, hipster, I guess, yeah. Well, uh, if you're in Peach, what is it, Peachtree Gardens? What is it? Peachtree Corners. Everything is Peachtree in Georgia <laughs> and near Atlanta. But I am in Georgia, right outside of Atlanta, in Peachtree Corners, which is a cute little suburb uh, right below the, the river there. Do they have artisanal pickle makers in Peachtree Corners? There are a lot. There are breweries. It's all the stuff in Brooklyn, and actually a lot of great international food too, because there's it's a huge immigrant population down funny? here. So, well, amazing that's good. Food, in effect, amazing Korean and Chinese and everything. You took yeah. Brooklyn with you, so that's good. Yeah, it's a state of mind. It's hotter than hell there, right? 
It is, but I think um, actually New York was hotter for a while. Oh, like okay. some nights, I was talking to some friends. Um, it Oof. was like near mid nineties at night. And you know, as the sun was setting. Yuck! I hate it. But yeah, it's always hot here yeah. in general. Yeah. Well, it's great to have you, Devendra, and congratulations on the move. I think that's great. Uh, Larry, it was a trip. Yeah, it was a trip. Did you did you do like the Jodes and get a pickup truck, put all your furniture in the back? Granny sitting it's on the a, rocking chair in the back seat. It's or? a long story. The move essentially like we were packing up until the movers came, which is not what you want to be doing. And no. then we but missed you have our first a baby. flight. And yeah, oh, no. it's it's tough. So we flew during COVID with a baby and two cats, and it was not fun. Flew with cats? Flew with cats. (laughs) My wife always says, if we have fires right now, she says, if we have to evacuate, you can go, you and Michael go in one car, I'll go in another car with the cats. (laughs) (laughs) She said, no one should have to suffer (laughs) with the cats. Um, In their cages. Did you sedate them? A little bit, a little bit. Um, They they just like freaked out. Kitty Brandy? yeah. yeah, they they like basically went to a state of shock and anxiety and just like oh. didn't move. But they were right under our seats during the flights. It was all a nightmare. Sounds horrible. Tell. Sounds like yeah. a nightmare. But you're there now and the cats, are they acclimated? They're great. They love having oh, a nice. whole house to run around. No longer like a cramped apartment and everything. Yeah. And you haven't let them out yet because they'll run away. They'll try to get back to uh, Brooklyn. Maybe. I, they're too scared to go outside. We have a nice little deck and oh, they're too scared Perfect. to even go out there now. They're terrified. Okay. They're terrified. <laughs> That's awesome. Also with us, Larry Maggot, who has also made a little bit of a move of sorts. Yeah. Last time you were here, you just left CBS News Radio. You are now a regular on BBC, the World Service, as well as uh, I see you on Forbes all the time. And he's yeah, at ConnectSafety.org. Yeah, I'm on World News Television, which is very interesting going from radio to television. I, I look much better on radio than I do on TV, but, you know, you do what you have to do. But I see you've upgraded your wardrobe for the television. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> classy here. Well, I upgraded my wardrobe for you, Leo. If this were BBC, I would literally be wearing a, a suit coat and a tie and a shirt over my shorts. Yeah. And now I'm because it's you, I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt over my shorts. And then you get the baby come in the room and the little wheelie thing and the wife. Come if I had a to- baby, I would say that. My wife does come in. <laughs> <laughs> Great to see you, uh, Larry. See you, yeah. uh, and also from uh, WBUR in uh, Boston, where he is now the executive producer for podcast, Mr. Ben Brock Johnson. Hey, Ben. Hello. It's good to be back. Uh, coming to you from Wicked Awesome Pissa Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I don't have Devendra's Peach um, Association, but, you know, I can get You got Bastin. You got the Bastin. Yeah. That's uh, right. That's right. That's awesome. Good to see you. He's actually not from Boston directly. You commute in from Western Massachusetts, and it turned out ah. that all three of this panel has lived in your neighborhood, your neck of the woods, at one time or another. Devinder for uh, college. Uh, Larry, wh- when did you live there? When you were? Oh, I lived there from like seventy-two to eighty-one. Wow. I got my doctorate from UMass, and I taught at UMass. So oh, nice! Spent a lot of time in that lovely area. In fact, I once had a Beautiful job area. offer. To, to work in Northampton, and I wish I had taken it, but yeah. here I am in California. Western Massachusetts <laughs> is heavily wooded. It's beautiful. It's where Tanglewood is. It's uh, my my grandma had a house uh, in Western Massachusetts. So we this is the magic time. It's magic right oh, now. Oh, I bet it's beautiful. It's just like yeah. fruit coming off the trees. It's oh, great. Get it's those tomatoes. Go down to the, go down to the right. fruit stand. Get some tomatoes. The corn's popping right now. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Mm, that sounds good. <laughs> Uh, I don't, you know, I was saying before the show, I don't really care about any of the stories from this week. So I think we should just wrap it up and 
I don't know. Sometimes you get weeks. Let's just where, hang out for an hour. Yeah, yeah, maybe we should just talk about things because maybe it's that it's all so grim that I don't really uh, want to talk about it. Now, Apple, Apple really has walked. This is actually we probably should talk a little bit about this because <laughs> opinions vary dramatically on it. Uh, Apple and Epic, of course, in a big battle. And then Apple got another uh, kind of black mark uh, when uh, WordPress, the founder of WordPress, uh, a good friend, Matt Mullenweg, we're, we're big fans of uh, WordPress and Automatic, his company. Uh, Matt Mullenweg tweeted, heads up on why our iOS app, WordPress iOS, updates have been absent. We were locked by the App Store to be able to ship updates and bug fixes again. We had to commit to support in-app purchases. So the app has always been free. It's an app you use to monitor your WordPress site, to post on it, to check uh, comments and things like that. It's a really good app. I use it. You also use it to log in. Uh, mm -hmm. WordPress has free sites, but they also offer paid sites. Uh, and apparently, uh, now there's more. This is a, this story is an evolving story, So, but this is how it started with his tweet. He says... I know why this is problematic. Open to suggestions. Should I allow others in-app purchases? Should we have a new name? He believed that the issue from Apple was that he had in-app he did not have in-app purchases for the paid accounts on WordPress. Apple then responded, "No, no, no. It was a mistake on our part. It's because in the app you advertise, you mention the paid accounts on WordPress.com, but you don't give users the opportunity to buy those. You either need to, you have two ways to go on this. You either need to offer them a way to buy in-app, and of course Apple takes its 30%, or you need to take any mention of the fact that you have a paid service off of the app. At which, at which point uh, WordPress did that, and uh, the whole thing kind of went away. Um. But it does raise these issues. In this case, I think Apple, um, you know, they made a mistake. Maybe they should have been, this has been a constant complaint about the App Store. They're not very clear about why they do what they do. Um, Apple apologized and said, you know, you don't have to add uh, purchases. We apologize. We believe the issue with the WordPress app has been resolved. This is the quote. Since the developer removed the display of their service payment options from the app, it's, it's now a free standalone app and does not have to offer in-app purchases. We've informed the developer and apologized for any confusion. So let me make the case for Apple and I'll let you guys shoot at me. Since, since, <laughs> Tim, since Tim's not sitting here, I might as well be the Tim Cook of the panel. The case is, and I understand this, Apple says, look, a user's using this and sees in the app there is a paid tier, but has no way to do it. We think that's a bad experience for users. You either should, if you're going to tell people about it, offer it or not offer it at all. What's wrong with that, Larry? I, well, first of all, I mean, this is, this is a big issue for me because if you look at any other platform besides mobile, at least any popular platform, i.e. Windows and Mac, Pretty much anybody can develop an app and put it out there, and they're they're on their own, right? Apple had the brilliant idea of the App Store. They they it was a great idea. It's still a great idea. It brings them a lot of money. But in the words of uh, of Steve Jobs, uh, it's an orifice. It, you know, Jobs when he when he announced the iPhone talked about the, uh, the the telephone companies being orifices. Well, Apple is an orifice in that 
it is the blockage. It is the way in which the only effective way in which you can get an app to run on their platform. And so there's a lot of issues. This is just one of them. Monetization is one of them. The other is uh, their decisions to vet apps. Of course, I agree with the security aspect. But, you know, I remember Steve Jobs saying, you know, we have one too many fart apps. And, you know, he's, he's right. You don't need a lot of fart apps. But who is it of Apple to tell people, you know, how much choice they should have on a particular kind of app? So it really brings up the broader question and a question that kind of came up when Tim Cook, along with the heads of Google and Amazon and Facebook, were up before Congress. But they didn't give him nearly as much of a grilling on this as I think they should have. Ben, I'm sorry. I cut yeah. you off. You were about to say something. Uh, I was just going to say that I, I was so impressed that I heard uh, Orphis blockage and farts in the same answer. Um, I guess, but I, I we always go high. When you go low, we go high. <laughs> no, I think, it, but 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 I totally agree. I think. Well, I think I agree. I mean, I think that the the issue here, you know, is that Apple is trying to create a better experience for its users. That's the other side of this two-sided coin, right? They're, Apple is trying to make sure it just works. Like when you use their devices and you use their software, it just works. And so like the WordPress issue, I think, I, I think you're right, Leo, that it's sort of, it, you know, you come down on the side of Apple there, they're trying to improve the user experience. But it's also interesting when that story came out, right? Which is after the Epic story. So Apple's, right? So Apple's reaction mm -hmm has to be is like within this context of this conversation that's been happening for a long time about how little app makers and huge app makers get charged um, this big cut that goes to Apple. And I think, you know, it's tough. You, you It's kind of like you fall on one side or the other, right? You're either in favor of um, a, a great user experience um, or you're in favor of um, app companies not getting screwed, or at least that's how it's kind of set up. Um, it shouldn't be that way, but it, it's it's tough. I, I, I think in the case of WordPress, it makes a lot of sense that Apple, um, you know, wanted the in-app purchase stuff to be available. But at the same time, you you look at it as part of the bigger picture. And at least to me, it seems like in, in trying to create this kind of perfect ecosystem where, or marketplace where people can purchase software, Apple has now become kind of the big bad guy. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of funny problem there. that uh, Larry should invoke how it happens on desktops because Apple also invokes that uh, in their defense uh, because they compare the marketplace for software and desktops to the marketplace for software on iOS and they say, see how chaotic it is and you have to have a distributor and the and distributors took more than 30%. We take a very small, reasonable cut for our services, including download bandwidth and 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 carefully vetting the apps and so forth. So that's why Apple's telling courts we're better. The, the app store is better than the desktop marketplace, not worse than the desktop marketplace. It's yeah. certainly more restrictive. Uh, and I should also point out that there is some question about whether Apple's response is disingenuous because uh, uh, and this is the, a later story from uh, Sean Hollister in The Verge. He says Matt Mullenweg of, uh, of uh, WordPress says that they'd already stripped out 
the plans section. It wasn't in the current version. There was no mention of paid plans. Mullenweg uh, told The Verge that he'd previously offered to strip other mentions of the paid plans out of the app, even workarounds, like when a user views a preview of their own WordPress web page and then navigates to WordPress.com, and Apple rejected uh, those suggestions. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like Apple, realizing it probably wasn't the best optics, decided to back down, even though... Uh, maybe initially they hadn't. Devendra, do you have a sense of what happened? I think it is the uproar. Like if if Matt Mullenweg didn't tweet about the situation and tell us what was happening, I, I'm pretty sure Apple would have just stuck to its guns. But yeah, the situation is confusing because it's hard for developers to tell how Apple applies its rules sometimes. And it seems sometimes very it's just like, capricious. You know, it's, yeah, It's very opaque. And sometimes yeah. I've heard from developers like Apple will just say, this is how it is, deal with it. And you really can't fight back. And this is the one situation where, you know, public sentiment and certainly reporting about this has maybe pushed Apple in one direction. It is weird that, um, yeah, he didn't really have to change anything um, because he, he already took away the paid uh, mentions in the app. Apple still rejected it, which yeah. is that that to me is the confusing part. Like when did why was that the case? What is different now? And Apple apologizing. That's certainly a new thing for them, especially to a developer. Sean Hollister you know, writes I, I Apple. Hold on, second, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on. And then uh, yeah. uh, Sean Hollister and Verge writes Apple simply seems to have decided that trying to extract its cut from a free app by, for by forcing in app purchases isn't a hill worth dying on today. Seriously. Today. Yeah. You know, like, all right, all right. Go ahead, Larry. Yeah, no, I just want to respond to what you had said. I mean, you're absolutely right that Apple will say and does say that they're creating a less chaotic, better experience. And that's probably true. But it's what monopolists have always said. If you go back to <laughs> AT&T prior to 1982, <laughs> one of their arguments is that we, you know, if we break up the phone company, everything's going to, you know, going to fall apart. And when we need this, you know, this paternalistic company to make sure that everybody's got good phone service. So I'm not saying that that's completely untrue, but it's sort of what I would expect a company like Apple to say. And there really isn't a free marketplace when it comes to the ability uh, to distribute. And, you know, then the question becomes if there were a free marketplace, maybe there would be lower prices. You know, we, we just don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's a, th there's a court case going on. Um, about that, uh, the class action suit against Apple. Um, there is an uh, investigation going on in the EU about that. Certainly, uh, it looks like the FTC in the United States is at least considering action on the App Store. So Apple is definitely facing some heat. And then there's this uh, suit between Apple and Epic. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Epic and Tim Sweeney don't seem like the ideal poster boys for this freedom. You don't say. Yeah. Yeah. What? So Billionaires have rights too, Leo. Come on. Come on. Uh, um, I, you know, this is a very tough one. I think it, it's pretty, it seems to me, I'll, I'll, posi I'll posit this and you guys can shoot at it. It seems to me that when Apple started the App Store way back, you know, a year and a half after the uh, iPhone was introduced, remember the, the App Store was not originally part of the iPhone. In fact, uh, Steve Jobs said, oh, you don't need uh, apps. You just use web pages. It's all, it's just use web pages. By the way, that nowadays could be true with progressive web apps, except that Apple won't support them on uh, on iOS very well. <laughs> um, but he, after a year and a half, I think they said, whether it was their plan all along or not, I don't know. Okay, we're going to create this app store. And at the time, it seemed like a pretty good deal for developers. You got uh, on a very 
exciting platform. You got a chance to ride the success of that platform. 30% was a lot less than Ingram Micro or any of the distributors charged to carry your shrink-wrapped software uh, on store shelves. So you, you, you get to keep 70% of the revenue. You don't have to pay for downloads. Uh, you have a, it's a good experience for your end user. It's a, it's a store that works. And I think for a long time, that was a, for kind of a happy thing. Uh, developers were making money. Apple always points out the billions of dollars they pay out to developers. They don't mention the 30% they, they keep. But I think over time, it's gotten so much more complicated that the, what, what seemed like a benefit in 2010 is a little less so today. There, you mm-hmm. have... Mm-hmm. Problems like you have Netflix, uh, which charges a fee, um, but Apple doesn't take a cut of the fee and doesn't require Netflix to sell, but uh, but because it's a streaming thing. And then you have xCloud, Microsoft's gaming platform, and Google Stadia, which are also streaming things. They're streaming games, but Apple won't allow them on there because they say, no, that's not streaming a la Netflix. That's a game store, and we can't vet the games, so we don't want it on there. Uh it's very easy to look at Apple and say, well, your motives are purely financial. You want 30% of everything. That's rent-seeking. On the other hand, it's also easy to take the point of view, well, Apple's just trying to – Apple's built something of value and they're just trying to protect customers. Um, I just think that – I think what made sense 10 years ago doesn't make as much sense today. And for Apple's sure, in a sure. difficult – I think what, what did happen, and we talked about this last week, is Apple didn't think ahead to – the, what would what would happen down the road? And now they've painted themselves into a little bit of a corner. Does that sen- make sense, Devendra? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, th- I, I think, think so. That. Like, and I guess as these companies grow, as any marketplace grows, I feel like the rules may need to change, or at least the way we look at things. The same with Facebook too. When Facebook was, you know, a very you know, a small college-based social network, the rules were very different for them compared to now when they have, what, over 2 billion users. It, it seems like things have to evolve along with the size of the market. Apple can always say that they're not the biggest mobile platform out there, which is true, but they still have a very big platform of their own and they have a complete monopoly of it. And I don't know what we can do. Certainly the Stadia and the xCloud stuff to me seems like a big issue because um, people want those things and they may go to Android to get them. Apple, you know, I'm old enough to remember when Apple was kind of an, an insignificant player. I mean, it was not a huge right. part of the economy. And, you know, now it's a, literally a $2 trillion company. It is a huge, huge company. So I think that the rules and the expectations will change and have to change as these companies become dominant. You know, these are the robber baron. Well, maybe that's a pejorative term. These are the oil companies of, of our modern <laughs> era. And when I was a kid, everybody hated the oil companies, whether whether we should have or not. And I think that tech is in for the same ride. Well, you, when you say when you were a kid, that's another interesting aspect of this story to me, because like I feel like the the fort, the people who are playing Fortnite, they a bunch of them hate Apple now. Right. Mm. And like That's there's problem. a really interesting – like Apple was the cool company when I was a kid. That was right. like the coolest, right. coolest company, hands down, the coolest company. For and decades. I feel like yeah. – For decades. And I feel like yeah. there are kids now where like just just talking about the, the epic you know, effect, so to speak, like I feel like there are tons of kids now who are uh-huh. like – thumbing their nose at apple being like you guys suck man you know what i mean and i just think that's like an Mm -hmm. interesting aspect to this as well and it's also someone tweeted uh when the the fortnite thing was happening someone tweeted like no matter what you do fortnite will always be better at the internet than you (laughs) that's Um, a good line 
I and like I, yeah, it. <laughs> and I thought it, I thought it was a good line. I think even though they're not necessarily the right poster child for this, they are super powerful, especially when it comes to like driving um, like young consumers to right. do things, right? Potentially, mm-hmm. so I think that's like a problem for Apple. They should be thinking about. I think the biggest problems for Apple, Apple are reputational. Uh, because they also, it also doesn't look good because they have Apple Arcade. They have their own game system. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it feels like rent seeking, by which I mean, Apple didn't create the value of these companies, but it wants a percentage of their income anyway, just because they can. And it certainly speaks to the fact that Apple may not have a monopoly of smartphones, but among iPhone users, they have an absolute monopoly of applications. Yeah. There's no other way to put an application on the iPhone. So they certainly own that. Uh, Phil Schiller responds. We were starting to see on Friday uh, Apple's response to the um, Epic lawsuit, and the you know the smoking gun that uh, Apple pulled out was the fact that Tim Sweeney has approached Apple at least three times via email, looking for a better deal than others get, a sweetheart deal. Schiller wrote on June thirtieth, twenty twenty. Sweeney wrote my colleagues and me in an email asking for a side letter from Apple that would create a special deal for only Epic that fundamentally would change the way in which Epic offers apps on the iOS platform. They were asking permission to bypass in-app purchases, effectively what you know everybody would like, as well as permission to launch a third-party store, app store, for iPhones. And this is, I think, one of the undercurrents here. Everybody thinks that Epic wants its own Steam-like store, and they want to put it on iOS, and that's a clear violation of what Apple will allow. Uh, Schiller said, Sweeney said, it will no, you know, said, look, we're not going to do it. We're not going to adhere to the payment processing. Uh, Sweeney wrote in the email, because of restrictions imposed by Apple, Epic is unable to provide consumers with certain features in our iOS apps. So you need to give us a side letter or alter your contracts and standards documents to remove those restrictions that prevent us from having a competing app store and competing payment processing options to iOS. We hope that Apple will also make these options equally available to all iOS developers. Uh, And that's what Sweeney said is we're not fighting this fight for ourselves. We're not asking for damages. We're not asking for money from Apple. We're trying to get a more open ecosystem. Sure, Tim. Which is kind of sure. clearly sure, BS, Tim. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it'll be re- it'll be really interesting. A hearing uh, coming Monday in the Northern District of California because Epic has re- requested a restraining order that would put a Fortnite back on the App Store, and we uh, the hearing for that is Monday. So this may uh, happen very quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm. What do you think? You think the court will be receptive to the things? Remember the court doesn't have the same dog in this hunt that we do that gamers do that Fortnite players do i don't know if that's an advantage or disadvantage for apple at this point i don't know exactly where the court will come down on this yeah it seems like a difficult thing to explain right it's very um well we should say that this is the northern yeah. district they're technical they're technically yes. savvy yes. i think it's judge lucy co who has a lot of experience in tech she issues did. she did apple and samsung yeah 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 so, so she she's been here before and so mm-hmm. uh, you know you can't say well the court doesn't know anything about this stuff they do mm-hmm. uh i'm not sure about epic's push for another app store but certainly the way apple cars out deals with other companies like we know amazon has a sweetheart deal you know for the amazon app 
And Amazon also does the thing where the Kindle app, you can't buy books on iOS, right? You have to do that on the web or some way but else. So Apple did give Amazon books. a sweetheart deal on Amazon yep, yep. Prime. Yep. One of three companies only that has that deal. And this was Apple. And you know what? Companies are allowed to make side deals that benefit them. They said, all right, we'll let you offer Amazon Prime without in-app purchases, but we want Amazon Prime on Apple TV. That's the tit for tat. Uh, I Which don't, took forever, by the way. It, but it was yeah. a tough negotiation. Yeah. <laughs> so Apple does allow exceptions, at least in three cases. I think Alcatel in France is another uh, exception. Um, there are there are three cases where Apple doesn't charge in-app purchases. Um, and Apple could certainly make... I think Apple. I think what's going to happen here, whether it happens uh, at the order of the court or just because the times have changed, Apple does need to rethink how it does this. It's also, I mean, the antitrust conversation happening in D.C. Right? Like, there's, there's, not that that would necessarily sway a judge, but it's kind of in the ether right now, right? I, yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, well, actually, let me correct myself first. It was—it's not uh, Lucy Co. I thought it was. It's uh, Judge Gonzalez, uh, Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers. I'm sorry. Um, so, but again, the North Dist Northern District knows tech. They that they deal with sure. a lot of. Yeah. Um, I think here's the problem. We're also in an election year. We're only two or three months away from an election. We have a fairly chaotic. Uh, federal government right now that is dealing with a lot of other things besides antitrust. I I don't think at this point anybody could put their finger to the wind and know what the federal government is going to do about anything. Apple so, must buy TikTok now. <laughs> <laughs> the only way. Uh, yeah. No, so idea. it's not even. I'm not even making a, a political statement about. I'm just saying that if you're trying as a business leader trying to figure out what where the winds blow. You might want to wait till January. Absolutely. I don't know if it'll be more favorable for you. It depends what happens. Uh, if Trump wins again, he's going to have a much stronger mandate and he's going to be able to do more of what he wants to do, uh, which is unpredictable, unfortunately. If uh, right. Biden wins, uh, it's also unpredictable. He's come out against things like Section 230. So it's, un it's not known where he stands on this stuff. And he's also appropriating a lot of Warren's platform, and there's a lot of, like, fighting against yes. antitrust for her. So Warren said Apple should yeah. be broken up. Yep, yep. So you could actually get, go to a much more hostile environment uh, in January. No, all new Justice Department, all new uh, White House, or, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, I have to, I feel for tech executives over the last couple of years because, a lot of it has to do with hobnobbing. They all have had to go to White House and, and talk to the president and, and and argue their case. Sometimes, and it really doesn't even, it's not yeah. clear what what the criteria are. It, you know, it shifts Leo, from for, day to day. For better or worse, I don't think Biden's going to be that tough on tech or any other mm -hmm. part of corporate America. Well, that's the I other mean, thing. I, I mean, right now, tech is our savior. Right. Right? Is it? To some extent. 
Is it? Oh, 20, 2016 <laughs> has a few words to say. I feel like tech completely failed us for that election. Okay. I, oh, I, yeah. Okay. Like, but here, I'll make I my case and you can make the counter case. My case is yep. in the era of COVID, if we didn't have technology, we'd be screwed. Right. A, Absolutely. all the education is happening sure, through sure. Zoom. Uh, much of the work from home, if you were lucky enough to be working, is technology. And by the way, if there is an economic engine left running this country, it's tech. You, you know, we, I was talking about the S&P 500, which had a record-setting week. It actually, the S&P 500 is above its February benchmark. It's the highest it's ever been. And you go, oh, my God, the stock market's going crazy until you realize that if you take out five companies, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, um, Google, Google, and uh, Microsoft... If you take those out, the S&P 500 lost 6% over the last six months. Mm -hmm. the, all of the growth is happening with five, the five biggest tech companies. That's Apple, $2 trillion company, all of that. So, I mean, I'm not saying that the stock market is by any means a bellwether of the American economy. But if there is a bright spot, it's there. If there, is, if there are companies yeah. that are making money, if there are companies that are hiring people, if there are I mean, companies they're, that are they're successful, it's tech. They're benefiting from the fact that we're all stuck at home or many people are stuck at home. And we're seeing like, yeah, white collar workers are doing really well in this, like during this whole situation. Their stocks are going up. Uh, they're working from home. Um, there are issues, certainly. Um, I just I feel like we can't just say tech is our savior. They're they're gaining from the weird situation we're in right now. But at the end of the day, what are what are Zoom calls except, you know, the Skype stuff and the Google Hangouts we've been doing forever. I don't think Zoom is fundamentally better as a platform. The difference I think is we have the tools. The difference is you and yeah. I, we've all been doing it forever, but uh, yeah. you know, now it's it's us and everybody's grandmother that's doing sure. it forever. Every school sure. kid is sure. doing it. I mean, the, the, the COVID really has fundamentally changed our relationship to technology to the point where it is truly integrated into the lives of the average American, including older Americans, not just kids today, you know, are on their mm -hmm. phones. It's, it's everybody is dependent on tech, even to order your food, to order your groceries. I mean, I, I essentially don't go to a store. So virtually everything that comes into my house comes via the Internet and, and a delivery truck from Amazon or, or somewhere else. So if yeah. the president wants to celebrate a V-shaped recovery, uh, he's, he's going to have to acknowledge that tech is, a, is, if not all, a huge portion of that. And that, for him, is important to his election uh, prospects and the future. Uh, so I, you know, I, it's weird because we are going after tech <laughs> or not we, they Congress is going after tech. And I, I would say we, cause I think it's justified in some cases, uh, Google and Facebook particularly wield enormous power in the, in the, uh, the, well beyond what they probably should, but it's also difficult to know how to go after tech if that's the thing that's driving your economy forward. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think it's fair. It's unfair to just say, hey, guys, what are you doing? Let's look at some of this antitrust behavior. What it, the way Facebook handles misinformation, I think, is something we've been focusing on. They're finally starting to do something about it. But, man, I sure would have liked to see this four or five years ago um, before it potentially ruined an election in America and kind of led us down a very weird path. For well, the past couple of years. you said the F word. So let's take a break. Yeah. And when we come back, we uh, I, I think that there is something uh, there's a lot to be said about Facebook. And the problems it presents, in particular, uh, the power that Mark Zuckerberg has, not because he has 60 percent voting power over Facebook, as a result, the power that he has over not just our politics, but the politics of the world. <clears throat> and I think this is a very troubling 
prospects. So I do think there's ways to there are things to criticize about technology right now. Uh, as much as I love it, <laughs> and as much as none of us would have jobs if it weren't for technology, <laughs> we don't want to bite the hand that feeds us. Well, and Amazon is another good example. Uh, all of this is really done is just solidify Amazon's dominance oh, of e-commerce, right? <clears throat> half the half the vehicles in front of my house are, are these new prime delivery constantly. Vans. I mean, they are everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to come out of this with a newly emboldened and a newly powerful and a newly economically successful group of tech companies: Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. And you know, they might be it might be to the point where they could thumb their nose at Congress and say, "Yeah, right." <laughs> Come get us, baby. <laughs> Let's take a break. We got we got more to talk about. Great crew here. Larry Mag all old friends, which is nice. Larry Maggot from uh, now from the BBC World Service. Yes. Now you have to be respectful. Yes, I have to. Yes. Well, notice I'm wearing a black suit today. So that's appropriate. Uh, the vendor Hardware. Uh, from Engadget, it's great to have you. And, of course, Ben Brock Johnson from WBUR in Boston, where he's now in charge of all podcasts. How many podcasts is that? Three. Wow. <laughs> You're getting big. But, you know, we're, we're, we, we've, we've um, ended a few. We've sun, sunset a few. And then we're, we've got a couple more coming soon. So, you know, I hear, be, uh, I hear. We'll be up to five. I hear podcasting is, uh, is the next big thing. I hear. Yeah. In public radio, it's it's that's the conversation. Actually, podcasting plus public radio is a very very uh, beneficial uh, pair partnership. All the best podcasts, all the most successful podcasts, are public radio, aren't they? I think they are. Well, so someone would claim such things, but you're OG and you've been doing it since 2005. <clears throat> I have. I think, so. and, and actually, I want I want the uh, the fact checkers in the chat room to work on this, but I think. Twit qualifies as the longest running tech podcast of all. We started April 20, 2005. I don't think there's anything before that that's still going. You're the Simpsons of tech podcasts. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Our show name brought to you by <laughs> Zip Recruiter. I can tell you when we do hiring, uh, we do it through Zip Recruiter because it works so well. And nowadays, hiring, if you're hiring, bless you, God bless you. Uh, there are people who need work, and the best way to find those people, the right people for the job, is ZipRecruiter. It's the place where hiring is simple, it's fast, it's smart, and you can try it for free right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash twit. Why ZipRecruiter? Well, for a lot of reasons. First of all, of course, when you post on ZipRecruiter, you're instantly posting to over 100 of the web's leading job sites. Look, the wider the net you cast the better the fish, if you know what I mean. But they don't stop with that. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans, the, it has many current resumes because people go to ZipRecruiter to apply for jobs. They'll go through those looking for people that match your posting, the right experience, the, the, the right go-to, and they're going to invite them to apply to your job. And that is a miracle. I remember uh, one time we used ZipRecruiter, our, our uh, bookkeeper had quit. Gave us two weeks' notice. My wife is a you know is a financial person, so she could do it, but she didn't want to do it. She said, "Now I'm going to have to do her job. I don't know what I'm going to do." Well, she posted on ZipRecruiter. This was breakfast before lunch. Within an hour or two, she said, "Oh, 
Look, I got a great... Oh, here's another great candidate. They're rolling in. And that's not unusual. ZipRecruiter is so effective. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter will get quality candidates within the first day. That's that matching process. The other thing I like about it, it makes the entire hiring process efficient. Because, first of all, th those applicants don't go into your voicemail or into your email. They go in the ZipRecruiter interface... They reformat all the resumes so it's easy to scan them. And you have screening questions so you can filter people out. Multiple choice, true, false essays, whatever you want. The dashboard makes it very easy to screen out the bad candidates, rank the rest, pick the best. It is a very, very effective tool. Just go to the website and look at the testimonials. You'll see all the people. And I'll add our name to the bunch because we've hired many people from ZipRecruiter. It's really our go-to. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash twit. See for yourself. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash twit. Should I spell it out for you? Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R.com slash T-W-I-T. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. And uh, we recommend it and we use it ourselves. I read an article, I wish I could find it, I don't know where it is, that posited that really the most powerful person in the world right now is Mark Zuckerberg. He's, if Mark Zuckerberg, given his absolute control of Facebook, the board of directors can't say boo, nobody else can say boo, I doubt Sheryl Sandberg can say Mark, you got to knock it off. Uh, so with his 60% voting shares, he's completely dominant. <clears throat> and if he decided, you know, I don't like this candidate or I don't like this policy, it would not be hard for him to modify, to, to tweak the algorithm in such a way that he could get somebody elected. Do you not agree? Do you not think that's possible? Is there any check sure. on his power at all? There is none, no. right? No, that's, that's the ultimate question. And what's funny is that, I don't know, you, you posit this question, Leo, even though we keep learning things like uh, Facebook's algorithm keeps biasing towards conservatives, even though they're the ones complaining that tech is erasing them. So I, d I don't know who Mark Zuckerberg is really answering to. It seems like the people who shout loudest to me is the people he'll try to appease. We can speculate that Mark's going to do what will make him the most money and that sure. right now he's got his finger to the wind and he says, you know what, I better make sure conservatives get an outsized voice on Facebook because I don't want the White House shutting us down. Look what he's doing at TikTok. So you might speculate that, but we don't know. And we literally, the FTC, Congress, no one can stop this guy at this point. Do you think? And it is he's ironic. Getting, getting, go Sorry, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I just think it's ironic that here we are, Silicon Valley, a very, very blue area. I suspect I, I don't know what Mark's politics are, but I suspect they're liberal. And uh, I, I know Cheryl's are. I know Cheryl worked with the Democratic Party. Yet they are playing very much into the hands of the conservatives. Well, look who they yeah. hired for their news operation, Campbell Brown, who is absolutely conservative. Yeah. Right? Yet at the same time, the conservatives are beating up on them constantly and claiming that they're rigging the election against the conservatives. So it's a weird, you know, I feel like Alice in Wonderland trying to understand this stuff. Yeah, I, I will say, um, I mean, I think our idea is that tech is, is kind of liberal and very democratic. But honestly, from my experience, it's more like more libertarian, like more the people who yes. are in the middle who are trying to say, 
oh, we just want fairness. You know, we we want the market to be fair. We want we want certain things to be fair. So they're not necessarily the ones fighting for things like human rights or diversity or equality or equal pay or gender, you know, uh, yeah, equality or anything I, like that. I'm not I'm not even asserting that Mark's doing anything wrong. I'm just saying mm-hmm. there is nothing to stop him from doing so. And we don't know what he's doing. And there is literally nothing that can stop him. Uh, and I'll I give think you his so- own employees. His own employees yeah. is basically the only thing. I think. And and he I, it seems like some of the reporting, at least from The Times, has suggested that he's getting it from those employees quite yeah. a bit. But um, in the stand ups or, you know, whatever, the full company meetings or whatever they're doing. But but even that, I mean, you got to have real guts to do that. Right. To mm-hmm. stand up to him and give him a hard time. So that's pretty unlikely that he'd be stopped by his own. Employees, it is true, right? though, that every Silicon Valley company is somewhat at the mercy of its engineers because engineering talent is unique it's hard to get you spend a lot of energy finding these people it's not an infinite supply especially with h1b visas being cut back and so it it, you know i know google for sure listens to activists within google because they can't afford to piss them off i don't know if it's the case in facebook we certainly have heard about people i'm and so i just want to be clear i'm not saying mark's liberal or conservative or mark's leaning one way or the other i'm just saying we don't know, and there's no way of uh, – I don't know of a good way to stop him. Maybe mm-hmm. it is just the employees. That's a very thin blue line. It's, yeah. it's a it's, light blue. It's, it, to me, it's sort of like Zuckerberg has always styled himself after Bill Gates, you know, and especially 90s Bill Gates, the Bill Gates that would go out there. <laughs> the cutthroat. You know, destroy small companies. <laughs> yeah, the, the cutthroat Bill Gates, the guy from uh, – what was it? Pirates of Silicon Valley, that movie. Uh, which I love. It's a fun movie. Um, But yeah, the guy who would blow away small competitors, copy everybody, just be ruthless, do what it is. He's still doing it with TikTok and being hilariously bad at bringing TikTok features into Instagram. But I'm still waiting for the Mark Zuckerberg who kind of evolves the way Bill Gates did as a as a humanitarian, as somebody who actually reads books and thinks deeply about um, how to help people in society's issues as a whole. And I I think that would be something that would help for Zuckerberg. But yeah, there's nobody to tell him no at this point. It's terrifying. You know, and one of the problems with Facebook is how the algorithms really encourage people to remain in their little cocoon. So yeah. I'm quite sure that my Facebook feed looks dramatically different than a Trump supporter's Facebook feed. I mean, they're going to see over and over and again, Trump, 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 positive, positive, positive. My feed looks like a, you know, Democratic coalition meeting. Uh, or, or even, or yeah. even further to the left. It's confirmation bias. It's confirmation bias embodied by the algorithm, saying, "Hey, you're going to be happier if you see stuff you agree with." So let's feed right, it to right. you. And, and, and the scariest friends. thing is, this is being weaponized now in the case of like QAnon stuff, right? Like that's some of the stuff that's been really yeah. wild see is now facebook's pulling down q they say they're pulling down qanon groups and they're blocking qanon posts but it's a little like what have you i don't know it feels like a little bit too little too late right like so many (laughs) i think you could easily make the argument that qanon look you americans probably humans have loved conspiracy theories for as long as we've been around sure yeah then they've spread like wildfire wherever possible but facebook made it possible in a in a dramatically more effective way with a much larger potential audience and i think you could clearly make the case that qanon wouldn't be the the, the conspiracy theory it is today without that, without Facebook. 
Absolutely. And they like all of these. And the scary thing, I think, is that the way that so many of these groups function as they're being weaponized by astroturfing organizations and and, you know, people who want to fund some of the stuff that's kind of scary, at least to me, scary and terrifying when it comes to things like anti-vaccine groups and, and things like that is. They really it, it, they, they've figured out how to do it. They've really figured out how to game the system, how to bring it, people in and, and you connect know what, people to other groups. It that wasn't are similar. It wasn't that hard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It almost it's does true. it by itself. Yeah. It's and in true. fact, I think you could probably make the case that Mark has done nothing. He's an engineer, very smart guy. He's probably done nothing than optimize for engagement and profit. That's all it took. Yep. Mm hmm. But that, that is that and that, by the way, was the startup philosophy for the past 10 years. You know, for the time I've been covering startups and hyper growth and everybody who wants to you know, build at all costs and move fast and break things, which was their, uh, you know, Zuck's philosophy for a while. He moved he moved so fast, he broke democracy, you know, and yeah. we are dealing with that right now. And I think you could argue that it, that Facebook's the best at it because Mark's so smart and he's hired very smart people and they did a great job. They did a better job than anybody Congrats, else in Silicon Mark. Valley. Well done. This is the article. It, it was on uh, One Zero, which is a medium uh, blog from Jumana Abu Ghazela. The unelected monarch, an unelected monarch, is shaping our public life. His name is Mark Zuckerberg. The most That's important election headline. of this year has only, yeah. this is the other, the subhead's even more important. The most important election this year has only one voter. <laughs> And then it's this guy, and this is, of course, about the most unflattering picture I've ever seen. <laughs> Red-rimmed, robotic eyes. With where, are basic... the where are the flattering ones? <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen this. I, I, he's it got the exist. soulless gaze of a great white shark bearing <laughs> down on you. Uh, yeah, I know. This is his test. He looks pretty good in a T-shirt. <laughs> Maybe it's the tie, you think? Um, tie doesn't help. If, if, and Jamana starts, she's uh, the founder of Pivot for Humanity, a nonprofit on a mission to professionalize Silicon Valley. I don't, I don't know who he or she is, but <clears throat> start, but the lead is pretty, if it's, if it's not the single most powerful individual position in the world, it only has a few rivals. Think general secretary of the Chinese Communist Party or the Pope or chair of the U.S. Federal Reserve, maybe the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. It's a position that's been embroiled in a contentious conversation for years now about the scope and possibly criminal misuse of the current incumbent's power, the ability to encourage wars between nuclear powers, to rally or slow down global markets, to end or initiate horrifying human rights crises around the world. But I'm not talking about a presidency. We get to elect the president. I'm talking about the CEO of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. And I, I, I have to say I agree 100%. And we don't really address this. You know, we're talking about... Trump banning TikTok and is the Chinese government a threat? Is TikTok a tool of the Chinese government? Is mm -hmm. it spying on us? Oh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, I think, de minimis compared to no, what yeah. the threat that Facebook right in our own backyard poses. The call is coming from inside the house. It's from inside the house. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's a fundamental change, right? From 2016, right? That's a fundamental change as we understand how these platforms are impacting some of the biggest, at least electoral decisions, right? Like, I think you can also. The story was outside influence. Well, now, but I think you could say that one of the true success stories of the Trump campaign in 2016 was its use of Facebook, its brilliant use 
of Facebook. Yes, and Facebook yeah. ads. And Facebook actively courted them to buy ads. Like, Facebook is, had embedded it, embedded people in the Trump campaign to help them do a better job buying ads. Of course, that's in their business interest. Uh, uh, I, 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 it'll be interesting to see what happens in twenty six uh, twenty twenty. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, somebody asked me uh, on Twig. We were talking about this. If you were at a dinner party with Zuck, what would you? If you could t- tell him to do one thing and he would do it, what would you do? And I'd say, well, not have any political ads. But that's not a perfect solution that's either. That's a small no. piece of it. Yeah, at the risk of of, of defending King Mark, it is a double edged sword <laughs> because there's also a lot of progressive activism like the women's marches and the anti-gun activities and a lot of positive things that are also happening on Facebook. So, again, if you look at my feed, you're going to see a lot of positivity, at least in terms of how I look at the world. And that's true with a lot of people. And then certainly there have been some good things that have come out of Facebook. So the question is, how do you throw away the baby with the bath? How can you clean this up and at the same time not take away a tool that progressives are able to use to, from where I sit, make the world a better Absolutely. And you make the same uh, case with uh, Twitter that it's been used by Black Lives Matter and the Arab Spring and many activists to finally get a voice. Uh, if it weren't for Facebook, we may never have seen the the uh, video of George Floyd being murdered. That right. started on Facebook. So, no, you can absolutely make that case. I just worry that we're giving – well, we, we don't have a choice. That Mark has been given such power and mm-hmm. we don't we don't control him in any way. And I do think this is the beginning of. See, you read this isn't. You read science fiction. You know that in in a, in a hundred years, corporations will run the world. That's obvious. <laughs> if you read science in a hundred years, I think it might be happening right now. It's happening. Like this is everything Facebook is building and all all the major tech platforms. It's it's freaking brave new world. It is the you know the dump of information that people want. But is also controlling them like that is that's it's not 1984. Right. It's the thing where people are controlled by the things they're addicted to. And but they keep wanting it. It's not like it's a, it's a we, dictator. Over it, it's, it's 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 actually brave new world. It's Soma. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the drug that we know is making us stupid, but we're doing it anyway because it's it feels pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty good stuff. And, you know, as the world gets more dystopian, what do you do when the world gets more dystopian? You take more Soma. The only the only piece of optimism I've had about this, the, the the Facebook influence on the election is the it sounds like they're focusing. I mean, the war game stuff that they've reportedly been doing and in, in figuring out what like they're actually thinking now. The company is apparently thinking now about what happens if Trump if if Biden gets elected and Trump uh, refuses to leave yeah. because of the results. And Facebook is trying to solve for that now, which I think is terrifying. But they, also they're learning they yes. move, move in the right direction, right? Like they're like <laughs> starting to anticipate saying terrible things that might happen, right? Mm-hmm. So it could I be. I guess they should be thinking about this, although it doesn't. I mean, in a way, this tells you how much power they have that they that it, if a, if a president of the United States loses an election and decides not to leave the White House, who do we turn to? The military, <laughs> the Secret Service, Congress, the courts? No, Facebook. Facebook. Right. Yeah. We, we don't have to kick him out of the White House. All we do is have to cancel his Twitter and Facebook account <laughs> and he goes away. He's gone. He can he can live there. I guess this is a really a bad conversation because I don't normally like to pick up topics where there's no answer. But lately, there have been a lot of those. And this is another one. I don't, you know, I'm against, for instance, 
a federal ban on TikTok, I think it's completely reasonable for the Department of Defense to say no, it can't be on your phone. I think it's completely reasonable for sure. Wells Fargo to say it can't be on your phone. And I think I took it off my phone after last week. I think any individual could quite reasonably say, I'm not going to have TikTok on my phone. I'm not going to have Facebook on my phone. I don't have either. Uh, but that I don't think the government should step in and ban it, TikTok or Facebook. I don't. I think that yeah. that's not the right answer either. Or put it thumb yeah. on the scale of who acquires it or, or get a get a, some kind of a kickback from the acquisition. That's the other thing that makes well, no that's sense just to me. Appalling. I mean, the Treasury is supposed to get a the highest bidder is going to write a check to the Treasury to, you know, for the permission to acquire TikTok. That's it's that's, it's mm-hmm. so contrary to our American values that it's it, you can't it's almost hard to know what to say. It's yeah. it's it's like what? It's uh, And honestly, that whole situation kind of broke my heart too because I've been a fan of what Microsoft has been doing for the past couple of years, especially post Nadella and the way he's reshaped Me the company. Too. But yeah, the it I certainly don't think much of the fact that they were able to work with the Trump administration to do this, to just basically take away this company or steal this company away from its owner. I don't feel good about that. There's an old all. adage if you if you sleep with dogs, you'll wake up with fleas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is <laughs> what's really corrupting about a corrupt government is that everybody who operates within that government becomes corrupted as well because it's the only way you sure. can survive. And I, it breaks my heart to see Tim Cook go to the White House and sit there grimacing uh, next to Donald Trump. But it's his job. He has to do it. And he's going to wake up with fleas. And Microsoft, mm-hmm. too. And it does. It, it tars every single company in this country because they understand his power is so great and this is why you don't want an autocratic government. It's why authoritarian governments necessarily fail, why innovation doesn't work, why the American experiment is so important. Because we very intentionally, from the very beginning of this country, said we don't want an autocrat. We don't want a king because that corrupts the whole operation. The rule of law has to be paramount. And I've seen it every, you know, one of the things I always gather from my travels as I wander around is when I, I remember going to Cairo and you, and I'm talking to people and you really get the sense that there's a complete loss of faith in government because they know if you can, if you're a, a, a family member of somebody, of a minister, or you can bribe them, you're going to get your way. Otherwise you're not. And that to, completely demoralizes everybody. Everybody just goes, well, screw it throws up mm-hmm. their hand and it's it you get a failed country and that's exactly what happened in egypt you get a failed country and i don't want us to go down that path that is a very yeah. bad path and uh so yeah yeah you're seeing that's when you said right there with microsoft is exactly the consequence right i was shocked when i read microsoft's press release or blog post about the conversations with trump and they specifically said that they're going to make a deal that's good for the u.s treasury which basically means they're essentially reinforcing it's Trump's ridiculous backsheesh. Yeah, it's bribery. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the deal should be based on what's good for the country, perhaps, but not what's good for the treasury. And I think, and it's kind of this is the other problem: is it muddies everything. You, I mean, you could make it's it's reasonable to have this policy debate over should a Chinese company be allowed to have a social network in the United States, or is that risky? You know, I think if. If Facebook were, if Mark Zuckerberg were Chinese, there'd be a very different conversation. We would be probably actively, everybody would say, take down Facebook. We gotta, I would understand that. 
but uh, I would, I'm just making the point that I think he's as bad as anybody, and he's American. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I yeah. wonder, though, the fact that TikTok is a playground for millions and millions of young people, and not just teenagers, uh, 20-something, voting age young people, whether or not that's going to backfire on Trump if he actually does take it down or, or somehow muzzle it between now and the election. It seems to me people would be really angry if you took away their TikTok. Well, and this is what breaks my heart because I see such good creativity. And you mm-hmm. see people like Sarah Cooper, who is a comedian who mm-hmm. couldn't work because of COVID. There's no clubs she can perform in. Came up with a new way of performing. Yeah, she could have probably done it on Instagram or Twitter. In fact, you know, she has a presence on both. But TikTok was just somehow magically suited to her. And she mm-hmm. became very famous because of TikTok or Little Nas X and Old Town Road, which became the number one hit of 2019. Thanks to TikTok, there's a it's a place for creativity, and I hate to I hate to lose that. I'm sure right. we'd find an alternative, but I just uh, that seems like a mean thing to do. I don't know. Do you think it's going to happen yeah. though? It seems so unlikely to me that it's actually going <clears> to <throat> any of the TikTok stuff. I don't is think there's going to be a shutdown. Going to happen? Yeah, I can't imagine there would actually be a shutdown. It seems like the, the possibility is that either Microsoft or somebody will end up buying those assets, which again, is a wild thing. And I, I'm sure the parent company, was it ByteDance? I'm sure yeah. they're going to be out for blood. Well, they're going to sue. Like, in fact, Larry, you had yeah. a piece in Forbes. <clears throat> they announced that uh, next week, of course, they've been saying this all along, that we're going to sue. Mm-hmm. Um, that means it now is no longer in the hands of the executive. It's in the hands of the judicial branch. The courts will decide. Right. Uh, and I guess there is a question about the legality of the executive order can right. can the chief executive unilaterally say yeah we're gonna there's some evidence there's some uh evidence that he can Osefius, the committee on foreign investment in the united states seems to have that ability they can turn down mergers they can say uh, we and we kind of did it with huawei right so there's precedent for this mm-hmm. so uh, it'd be very interesting what the court would say what is tiktok's claim what are they what's their defense well the defense is that they've been trying to negotiate with the trump administration for over a year and they're not getting anywhere and that they don't feel that trump is actually trying to resolve this problem and the other defense is that trump is interfering i mean even as they attempt to sell themselves to a u.s company you know they're basically doing what trump asked them to do and he's still Mm -hmm. interfering apparently he wants to give it to larry ellison to give it to oracle yeah, that's the new one because and Larry Ellison held a fundraiser for him. Exactly. I mean, that's yep. just that's insane that we would make much such important policy decisions based on who wants to you know grease the skids for Donald Trump. It, and it's, I, I it's, don't think they're not the ones who need to defend themselves really because nothing Trump has said has been proven. Like these, them being a Chinese-owned company that's a security risk, they still need to prove that before they can start enacting this. And the Trump administration has not. Do they need to prove it? I mean, does Trump Yeah, I guess executive orders, he doesn't have to. But I'm sure ByteDance could come back and be like, well, we didn't do anything. Like, you're saying we're doing these things, but we're not. Well, it's kind of the same with Huawei. It's it's, uh, the presumption that if uh, President Xi of China said to ByteDance or Huawei, uh, said to ByteDance, hey, I want every Mm -hmm. bit of information. You know, ByteDance says, no, no, we keep all the TikTok, American TikTok content in America. 
we back it up at Singapore. It never hits the Chinese shores. But we know that it's a Chinese company sure. and the Chinese government can go to them. <clears throat> By the way, same as American company can go to Facebook. American government can go to Facebook and say, we want to see uh, all that data. And by the way, don't, don't, don't mention anything about this. This is uh, so, just between us two. So where do we draw the line? I mean, iPhones are manufactured in China. Yeah, they're, they're, they're designed in Cupertino. But almost every piece of electronics that we have in our home comes from China. And so do we, do we extend this to start extending this to yeah. hardware well, makers? I'm trying well? to think about how what's the reasonable – we can look at a piece of hardware – and know what it does. We can know if it's dangerous, can't we? Well, you don't know what's inside your sure. phone. You don't know what's inside. Yeah, the no, no, we can. We can take take it apart. Look at well, everything. Somebody in it. can take it apart. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I can. Uh, the problem with Huawei, as I understand it, is that it's software driven in many cases, and so you can't say with any predictiveness what a piece of Huawei gear will always do because the software can be changed and it will have some other behavior. So you can't vet a Huawei five G switch. But you could look at a phone and vet it. You could say, no, this phone does not have the... As long as Apple controls the software, this phone will not have the ability to do anything nefarious. I think that's the case. Yeah, and I think that there was some concern about Huawei's, you know, the... the I'm going to sound very stupid now, which is probably accurate, but uh, like the way that Huawei was leveraging algorithms in its software for the 5G kits, right? Like that that's the idea, right? Like they could, they could basically change yeah, some it's, fundamental it's software, way that the software works. It's a software defined to, switch. So right. the the software that you load on that switch completely defines the behavior whether it routes through China for instance. So right. That's the problem. You can't vet a piece of Huawei gear and say that will never misbehave because the Chinese a Chinese company controls it 100%. Right. And so that's a reasonable thing to say, yeah, we're not going to use Huawei switches. Now, Huawei also makes phones. And I don't I think you could probably say, well, how is a Huawei phone worse than an Apple phone? I guess cuz Huawei does the software. Um, I don't know. I think mm-hmm. I think that's the point is that in theory, anyway, hardware can be vetted. Software, it depends. Can be vetted in the country where it's being right built. Yeah. Right, you can't yeah. prevent. You cannot prevent a Huawei switch from loading malicious software. You just can't. I also, I, I think there is there could be arguments made for like essential core pieces of hardware and technology and switches. There's a lot of stuff happening there there's a lot of data going through yeah. there and a lot of personal data that's different than just like yeah. a, a single phone TikTok, you know? seeing my location which it can't by the way on the iphone mm-hmm. um, but if it could is not nearly the, the dangerous thing that a, a, a guy who controls the 5g switches in the in a major american city that guy <laughs> controls infrastructure that is vital yeah yeah that's very different so i i don't have a problem with the huawei ban i don't i think it was capriciously uh, implemented and hurts Huawei in ways probably shouldn't, and it's going to backfire. But <clears throat> uh, I think it was a reasonable thing. And most, and by the way, most Western governments did decide not to use Huawei gear in their 5G switches, uh, 5G networks. But I don't know about the TikTok ban. I think I don't mm-hmm. think a government should ban a social network. Well, I don't know. Well, and really, I'd love I to think see the, the government only- ban Facebook. 
The Chinese do. They ban, they ban all sorts they of things. They do. But we, that's for the whole they point. We shouldn't be like the Chinese. Tim Wu wrote an p- yep. uh, opinion piece in the, and I normally respect the guy in the New York Times saying, hey, China does it to us. We should do it back. No, we should stand up for a free and open internet because that's what we do. That's how you promote our values. You don't. And, and the question is, do you take, you take TikTok at its word that their servers are based in the U.S. and Singapore and not in mainland China? that their policies are determined by their policy shops here in the United States and not in mainland China. I mean, if you listen to them, and I've, I've spoken extensively with their executives, they will argue that they are operating not as a U.S. company, but certainly not with Chinese domination in terms of how they make decisions about how they operate their U.S. Uh, subsidiary. But they never address the issue uh, mm-hmm. that, the chi- that is the law of the land in China, and they're a Chinese company that the Chinese government can demand information from them, which they could then take off the U.S. servers yeah. and send to them. They never that really the, addressed that. Was that the, that yeah. was the most convincing sort of like theoretical example, right? Like you have a, you essentially have a, a government official either in the U.S. or China, and somehow um, the Chinese government takes their TikTok data. And uses it against them to bend them to its will. Yeah. Right. And yeah. you could we you know, saw the, we see those unsaved drafts of the WAP dance that you've done. We're going <laughs> to use that. We're going to publish that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and we know that in the United States, thanks to the Patriot Act and FISA courts and national security letters, we have similar. Rules. If I were Chinese, for instance, if I were the Chinese government, I would I could see why they would say, "Well, we don't want any of our citizens using Facebook." That's not, by the way, the reason they they don't want the citizens using Facebook because the reason they don't want f- people using Facebook in China is because they might learn about the Uyghurs internment camps, uh-huh. or they might learn about Tiananmen Square, or just hear about it. They might think President Xi looks like Winnie the Pooh, and that would be the end of the world. So that's the real reason. And actually, it may be the the only real reason to ban TikTok on my iPhone. TikTok doesn't get a lot of my personal information. I don't post pic videos. I just watch videos. Uh, the real threat of TikTok might be the propaganda threat more than anything else. Sure. Actually, sure. it might be for Donald Trump the propaganda threat because TikTok is used by a lot of young people who are also playing all sorts of tricks on Donald Trump. Well, yeah, we already know. We already know that yeah, happened so in that, Tulsa. It helped, it helped wreck his Tulsa rally. So yeah. maybe, you know, when you describe how chi- why China doesn't want Facebook, maybe that's why Donald Trump doesn't want TikTok. Well, I'm sure it is, <laughs> actually, yeah, come definitely. to think of it. <laughs> and uh, Leo, I'm glad you brought up the, the China and the Uyghur Muslim, like, situation, that whole deal. I feel like that's something we should be pressing American companies on harder when they decide to collaborate with the Chinese government and work in China and offer their products in China too. That to me seems like a more useful way of us questioning a lot of this, of what's happening in China. Well, and that's another uh, issue with Facebook as well. Yeah, Facebook has consistently benefited uh, dictators in number in Myanmar and other countries. Uh, Here's a journal, I'm sorry, Washington Post article from uh, 2018 why dictators love facebook uh and and this is you know this is the problem with facebook uh and any social network they they can weaponize information in ways that we have never seen before you know somebody asked me well isn't this how how is this any different from william randolph first creating the spanish-american war uh in what was it 1908 1915 uh and he did. 
You know, he lobbied for war. He, he actually made the war happen. Um, and so in a way, this is like that, except he's even more powerful. <laughs> yeah. And everything happens very quickly. Like one post can can be a war declaration. It wouldn't just be several articles or, or a big push. Um, Leo, when we started talking about this, you said you didn't you, you didn't want to leave this in a place where we didn't know we don't have any answers. We kind of don't know what to say. I do. I think we can start to think about what we want from our social networks moving forward. Facebook did announce an oversight board, which unfortunately mm -hmm. will not actually be up and running until after the election. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, but there is certainly more we can start pushing for these companies. Like I, I wish Facebook was run more like maybe like an actual newspaper or even like, you know, with people who are who are used to dealing with facts and information, freaking librarians like Facebook needs to be someplace that's actually managed by people who understand the importance of information, and the flow of accurate information. And well, I should I should difference. point out historians do not agree that the, yep. the the press war between Hearst and Pulitzer in the 1890s created the Spanish American War. Uh, the remember certainly remember the Maine and and that slogan uh, created a lot of war uh, hysteria. But uh, Joseph Campbell, uh, professor of communication at American University, the great Joseph Campbell said, no serious historian of the Spanish American War period embraces the notion that they fomented or brought on the war in 1899. But, but at least William Randolph got us Hearst Castle. I mean, I've walked by Mark Zuckerberg's house. It'll never be a state. Hey, wait till you go to Hawaii and see the Zuckerberg plantation yeah. in Kauai. That you can't approach. <clears throat> that you yeah. can't get anywhere near. I imagine it rivals Hearst Castle in its size and, and, and opulence. Maybe that'll be a Hawaii state park someday. Yeah, it's a lot more like a Xanadu, if you ask me. <laughs> But that is the big difference, right? Like, Larry, when you were talking about the the sort of your filter bubble being um, the Women's March and, and Black Lives Matter and some of this stuff, and then the filter bubbles that we're talking about when it comes to QAnon and, and right. you know, uh, vaccine hesitant groups or vaccine resistant groups and, and this stuff. To me, the real difference there and, and what Devendra is talking about, too, like the real difference there is facts, right? Right, like, right. The, the, yes. You know, you can you can be whatever you can argue politics all you want, but there is not a, a an elite conspiracy to steal and eat babies that is run out of a pizza shop. <laughs> that is a fact. OK, like that's not you don't we don't need to argue about that. Right. That's BS. And if I believe that were true. I would be as I would be up in arms if I honestly believe the Democrats were eating yes. babies. I would be up yes. in arms, but it happens to not be true. Right. And so, like, there's the difference, I think, in terms of what we ask our social networks for. Right. We don't ask mm -hmm. them to stop allowing people to um, to 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 um, advocate for the things that they believe in necessarily. But if but if the thing is clearly a complete pipe dream, mm -hmm. well, some things we are obvious come down on that. Right. But here's a study from Avaz, which is a nonprofit public interest uh, group. Facebook is funneling readers towards COVID misinformation. Mm. And this is killing people. Uh, false medical information can be deadly. Researchers led by Bangladesh's International Center for Diarrheal Disease Research. There's a place I never want to work at. But uh, thank God somebody, <laughs> thank somebody, God somebody does. Writing in the American Journal of Tropical Medicine and Hygiene have suggested a single piece of coronavirus misinformation led to as many as 800 deaths uh, deaths uh facebook apparently because of the algorithm i'm guessing over promotes misinformation and under promotes truthful information 
So, um, you know, and I'm sure they I'm sure they don't want it to be that way. Is the algorithm out of control? And they even claim that they don't do that. They actually are blocking uh, dangerous information at the same time saying we don't want to be an arbiter of truth. So they're giving us mixed messages as to what their goal (laughs) really is around this dangerous information. Vaz analyzes 200 pieces of health misinformation shared on Facebook after being identified as problematic. Fewer than one in five had Facebook's warning label. 84% 84% slipped through controls after they were translated into other languages or republished in whole or in part. So Facebook does have controls. They don't work. They don't work. And yeah. uh, it's a big problem. Posts that well, are rated... The truth is boring. Pardon me? Yeah. The truth is boring. The, tr- the truth is boring a lot of the time. Unfortunately, not lately. But the truth is, you know, a lot of the time, the truth is boring. And Facebook doesn't... That doesn't make Facebook any money. That doesn't keep people mm-hmm. on Facebook, right? Avaz identified 42 super spreader sites that had 28 million followers, generating an estimated 800 million views, all of them of false information. A single article which claimed falsely that the AMA was encouraging doctors and hospitals to overestimate deaths. In fact, I've seen that on the news. Yep. Fox picked up on that one. Yep. Not true. It was seen 160 million times on Facebook. It becomes true. Because the news picks it up and you see it and nobody really thinks about the source. It goes from Facebook to Fox to Trump and then back out again. Yeah. Uh, Global networks, those super spreader networks, had uh, 3.8 billion views last year. The audience peaked in April with 460 million views in a, a single month. I think that's because we're all desperate looking for information anywhere we can find it. And the problem is Facebook is not effective in in um, blocking misinformation. So, anyway. You know what's scary? I have, I have a friend who's actually a fairly famous um, person. I won't even mention her name, who's a Trump supporter. And I've known her for years and years and years. And I went to her page yesterday, and there she was standing at some conservative event that Trump spoke at, holding arm, you know, arm to arm with her fellow conservative women without a mask, without any social distancing, and I don't know. Does she really believe that that's the safe thing to do? She's not a stupid person. She's not a bad person. But she's publicly demonstrating this incredibly irresponsible behavior, I guess, based on the, you know, what her worldview is. And it, 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 it makes no sense to me. I mean, the world I live in, people would never do that. It's a strange world we live in in 2020. <laughs> There's no question about it. All right. Let's, this is depressing. Just, Devendra, come on. What's the answer? You said there was an answer. What's the answer? I, I do think the answer is we we have to push these companies to, I think, the past couple of years. Facts, truth. We have let it erode so much. So it would be nice for us to push for that more from Facebook. And I think that's it. And every social network, Twitter, everything, they're starting to do that. And I think it's great. The oversight board sounds good. But we need more people and we need that to be the thing that the algorithm is tuned for yeah. and not the most like, yeah. you know, fun, sexy misinformation or viral posts. Like virality is the danger, really. And that's what we've built towards for the past several years. <clears throat> I also think that we don't have very good defenses against chaotic evil. Nope. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we as human beings assume the best and we don't understand chaotic evil. And when it exists, it can ride over us like the four horsemen of the apocalypse because we have no defenses. It's like, 
Huh? It's like, you're not following the rules. <laughs> and they're like, whatever, man. Whatever, man. There are no rules, man. There are no rules. Where we're going, we don't need roads, We don't man. need no roads, man. <laughs> All right, let's take a little break. Executive producer for podcast WBRUR is here. I always want to say BRU because that was the Brown University radio station when I was yeah, a kid. Yeah, I listened to BRU quite a bit. Yeah, great BRU radio station. Great. Yeah. yeah, not as good as BUR, No, obviously. BUR is much better. Yeah, yeah. Boston University, <laughs> right? Yes, sir. Ori- yep. Originally, anyway. Ben Brock yep. Johnson, great to have you. At the Brock Johnson on the Twitter. Larry Maggot, also now with uh, the Beeb. I love it. ConnectSafely.org is his website. At Larry Maggot on Twitter. Devendra Hardawar, senior editor at Engadget. At Devendra. Do you, I want to ask you about the duo, Devendra. Have you played with it yet? Ooh, I am... I'm very excited. Okay. It is okay. Good. It's coming soon. Good. It is. I need some you know, excitement. We know the release is coming soon. Something happened. Let me just say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. I'm excited. I spent. Okay, well, I'm going to take a break. Hold, hold that yeah. thought. I got to take a break. Hold that thought because I want somebody to say because I already bought one, <laughs> and I want somebody to reaffirm. I need a little confirmation bias, if you don't mind. Our show today brought to you by Mint Mobile. I tell you. I got the best phone I ever got, best deal I ever got when I got my iPhone SE from Mint Mobile. What a deal that was. Mint Mobile is the, gives you the same premium network coverage that you would get from T-Mobile because it is T-Mobile, uh, riding on the T-Mobile network, but for a lot less. I, you know, I'm, I, when I, I pay like $90 a month per line for my T-Mobile. My Mint Mobile, 25 bucks a month because I got the, I got the, 12 gigabyte a month unlimited nationwide talk and text plan. The biggest plan they have is 300 bucks for a year, 25 bucks a month. You can go down to $15 a month with their three month introductory plan. That's amazing. Unlimited text, unlimited talk, high quality. All plans include this is new 5G for free. What? <laughs> go ask, go ask Verizon how much that'll cost. It's unbelievable deal. I don't know why people pay more. And so when I got the iPhone SE, I got a deal. They offer, you can either buy phones or take your existing phones. When I got the SE, $15 a month for the SE, $15 a month for the service. That's $30 a month for 24 months. $30 a month for one third what I'm paying T-Mobile. I got a phone and the service. Oh, my God. By going online, eliminating the cost of a retail store, Mint Mobile can save you a lot of money. And I think Ryan Reynolds... Is putting a little cash in there too. Every plan with Mint Mobile is uh, is gives you unlimited nationwide talk and text, and then you choose how much data you're going to use. So I went all the way. I got the 12 gigabyte plan, but there are plans for every use, every budget. If you're not 100 percent satisfied, they've got a seven day money back guarantee. There's no risk. They will send you the SIM for free if you're going to use your existing phone. You could port your number over either with the existing phone or buying a new phone. So you save your number, you save your contacts. There couldn't be a better way to switch to the Fox. The Fox looks surprisingly like Ryan Reynolds, by the way. I don't want to say anything. He's got he's got Ryan, he stole Ryan's glasses. Sign up for Mint Mobile today. Save. You'd be crazy not to. I love my iPhone SE. I love my Mint Mobile plan. It's just the right way to go. And if you've got family members uh, and and they want a phone, we you know our my father in law kids. Get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month with their three-month introductory plan and get the plan shipped to your door free. MintMobile.com slash twit. MintMobile.com slash twit. Cut your wireless bill down to just $15 a month. MintMobile.com slash 
twit. Um, all right, the Duo. This is uh, an Android phone. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago when Microsoft announced it. Panos Panay's video is now available. You can watch it on YouTube. The originally journalist, you probably went to that, right? Uh, it was yeah, a yeah. Press that was only. a private briefing before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't understand why they did that and then the next day released it publicly. It's like... Ah, you got to prep those stories. It, uh, it does take a while to write these things and to kind of uh, distill this information to, into something so you're not just watching a Microsoft ad. I vastly prefer this rather than them, them just dropping a video for us. I yeah. agree. This is one thing COVID has brought us that I hope will continue, which is no more conferences. Uh, I even thought the Democratic Convention was much more enjoyable. Oh, so, it was yeah. so good. I, I, the I, Apple, I enjoyed it. The Apple announcement <laughs> was, was actually better. The Apple, the WWDC yeah. was better. Um, much better. Yeah. Um, the I'm, state, the state by state thing in the Dem. Wasn't the that DMC, awesome? It was the, it was the most ridiculous, awkward, you, best. You thing hated I've that. Seen. See, no, you know I why I liked it? it? No, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was amazing. So when I was a kid, calamari industry. They, they yeah, no, calamari got a big plug. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was, I still am. I'm obviously, if you, you, you know, if you watch our shows, I'm a political junkie. I love this stuff. I eat it up. When I was a kid, I would get a pad of paper and I would write down the votes. This was back when a convention was often contested. Humphrey is. Pulling ahead. Oh, no. They And you'd watch them confabbing and, you know, in the smoke filled rooms and trying to the next vote. He got about 10 more votes. And I loved that stuff. I really the, the state by state vote was so much fun because this time, instead of staring down at Dan Rather with a backpack and uh, talking <laughs> in the in the convention uh, floor. We got to see every state and a little something yeah. of every state. And they went from one. Away. I thought it went surprisingly well. There was a great. Oh, no, I've got, I've got to find this. There was a great Facebook post of the producer uh, of the... Oh, I'm, I don't know if I... Right, can, the guy oh, who, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who did it? Yeah. yeah. The director, yeah. With, we're not wearing shoes and socks. Sitting in, in yeah, shorts in his, in his house. Right. In his yeah. living room. Look like, yeah. Set up. Yeah. It was... It, there, here's the picture. Is, uh, it, uh, there it is, yeah. Yeah. Emmy award-winning director, I think, right? Yeah, he's got three Emmys on the shelf right there. Uh, he did it barefoot from his living room, and I love it. He's got it looks a little bit like the Twit Studios. He's got big screens with sixteen uh, screens on on each of them. He's now, got, this is multitasking. Yeah. Now he's not the he's not directing. What's in front of him is a comms switch. So he's talking to the various sources and saying, "Get ready, we're going to go to you." Blah blah blah. Uh, it's kind. Of, this is another COVID winner, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Card table. He's doing it on a card table in shorts without shoes on. 14 Emmy Awards, six Director Guilds of America Awards as a director and producer. Uh, nice job, Glenn Weiss. <laughs> you know, I've covered conventions, and what you see on the floor of the convention is totally different than what you typically see on television, except this year when it was only on television. And and so we actually all got the we saw the same, same right. yeah that's yeah. right yeah. um so back to the duo let's <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. do over um this is a so I was all excited I thought well not excited but I was going to buy the flip the new Samsung Galaxy Z Flip two just because I feel like folding phones there's something Z there and fold I, two. the Z fold it's whatever the, now the yeah, flips one and the Z the other way yeah yeah conflating everything um but i think folding screens i don't know if they're ready yet davindra you've had them right 
Yeah, well, I've I've played around with them. I've I haven't reviewed any of the folding phones, but I've definitely touched them and you know used them for a little bit. And actually, last year when Microsoft first announced the Surface Duo and the Neo, which is going to be the you know the Windows uh, Snapdragon you know powered one, I I was just more sold on this idea of two separate hinges, yes. or two separate screens with a hinge, by a hinge yes. with a hinge, because this is dur- like that is far more durable than trying to fold a single screen you know, over and over and over. You could flip it around, use just one screen. You can use both screens. You'll have to deal with the hinge. You'll always have something down the middle of the screen. That's unfortunate, but I think in terms of mobile multi I'd rather have that than a I'd crease. Yes. And yeah. Microsoft says something kind of interesting, which sounds on the face of it just making lemon out of, lemonade out of a lemon, but I think it actually <laughs> is sort of true. They say there's Panos Pene, you know how he is. There's something so sexy and magical about the having... The way the- that guy talks, man. Yeah. <laughs> I once did like an hour long walk through Microsoft with him, um, just like briefing on something. And he is just so into it. He's so into all the Microsoft stuff. And you got to love it. He's so he's like, wow, he's He's a true believer. Yeah. (laughs) So he 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 says and you know, what? I think there's some merit in it, even though it's a little self-serving, that there's some sort of context switching that 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 the having the bezel and two separate screens instead of one unfolded big screen somehow is more productive. And it is true that one screen can have one app, another screen can have yeah. another app. They've created software that watches for this. And even if the apps are not dual screen aware, even though that's built into Android now, the the phone will be smart enough to say, well, that's going to be in that one, that's going to be in that one. Mm-hmm. I think I can't wait to get my hands on one because I think it it's been since 2007 that we've seen a new phone for factor that that worked yeah yeah i i am excited and honestly i felt a little i felt a little afraid to say i have been excited for this because everyone's just it's just you and me everybody's so critical of it oh it's too expensive no nfc it does the wireless charging where's the wireless charge it's not waterproof water why is water when did did that become the most important factor in a phone were you guys all dropping it into the toilets what are you doing see that in every device just because things happen. My wife once left one of her phones, I think it was the original Pixel, out in the rain like we didn't know. It was on the deck and dead the next day. Okay. You know, so but don't leave your phone the in the rain. Don't leave your phone in the rain, but <laughs> water spills, things happen, and these things are getting more expensive. Uh, okay. But All right. yeah, I am excited about it. And even despite the price, sure, it's fourteen hundred bucks to start, but man, our high end phones have gotten to that point. The iPhone 11 Pro, yeah. the Note, like it's not over $2,000. It's not $2,500, which is what the Galaxy Fold launched at. Um, so we don't know what the, the new Fold will be, but it's definitely going to be don't. more than 1500 bucks. Yeah. And this is basically slightly more than the Galaxy Z Flip, which is the slightly smaller folding one that folds into like the little square. I'm not too fond of that phone. So, okay. you know, th- this seems more in line with things. But yeah, we it's launching September 10th. The Surface Duo is. So hopefully we'll be getting review units soon. I I really want to play with it because it just seems so exciting. This is kind of I want to do more. I always want to do more when I'm on mobile. And this is kind of the thing we've been waiting for for so long. That's it's funny because I'm really excited about yes. the, the palm. That's that's my favorite. Oh, shut up! You can tell I haven't taken <laughs> out of the box yet. <laughs> is that is that a new palm? No, no. Does that exist anymore? Yeah, they just shipped a new one. Oh God! Well, I haven't even unwrapped <laughs> the old one. So <laughs> <laughs> somebody, it's not palm itself. Somebody else is making a yeah, palm. Yeah, somebody else made it. A palm phone, but if you go to palm dot com, you can get a. I don't know what this is. It looks like a phone. It's a phone. <laughs> that's, see, that's, that's, that's why I'm bored. One. I don't want another yeah, glass slab. 
Yeah. Uh, do you guys yeah. remember snap bracelets? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the technology I am waiting for. <laughs> I want that kind of situation where I can just be like, and it's like nothing. You want a phone can, that you wear on your wrist, you open it up and it's there, and then you go snap and it goes back on your wrist. Is that what you want? Yes. Well, maybe not on your wrist. I don't know. Or maybe just something that like I want something as flexible as that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That like I can yeah. like sit up on a wall or I can just like make it. Oh, I, can make I agree it with hard you. and then I, I can make it you. roll up and like anyway. We'll get there eventually. Happen. And here oh. is my, oh. my very own Umphreys McGee. There you go. See, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be cool? So imagine. If that was a phone? And imagine hanging <laughs> up. It would be so satisfying. Ben Brock Johnson, you're a nitwit. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just, you hang up and it's a bracelet. <laughs> Thank you, John. So good. <laughs> Jamie ran out of here to get his Humphreys McGee death wow. by stereo snap bracelet. There, see, I needed to practice before I could really get it. So, um, okay, good, Devendra, because I read so many negative reviews after I ba- I got up at six a.m. I said it's available, and I ordered it, and then and then I felt kind of bad. Like everybody said, "You're an idiot. What'd you buy that for? That's a terrible phone." <laughs> I yeah, we don't know how well it's going to perform, but I think like based on what we know so far, the folding phones have so many issues. I don't trust them. I'd, yeah. I would much more trust this thing. Yeah. Two separate screens. It's not a, a technology. It's, it's technology we understand. It's OLED screens. Yeah. It's a hinge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a hinge. Separate screens, a hinge. Um, and the hinge, too, is like, I feel like it's an undersung hero of the last decade, but Microsoft has spent so much time and energy perfecting its hinge technology with the Surface. And kind of everybody has had to start doing that now, too. So that's been the thing. Powering all the convertible PCs, uh, all the folding devices for the past, you know, all the laptops for the past couple of years, too. So uh, I don't know. The, the kind of like geek in me just loves seeing hinge tech get to such a weird and intricate point, too. Well, even Samsung so, spent time yeah. on the elaborate hinge that they learned from a Dyson vacuum cleaner. <laughs> the hinge cleaner. That's the hinge cleaner. <laughs> they have a little roller yeah. inside that gets the dust out. When they said that, that's when I decided, I thought, I'm not buying that phone. That's stupid. <laughs> so I, I don't have a hinge phone I, or any kind of folding phone, so I remain unhinged. Oh, very good. You're unhinged. I'm unhinged. I, but someday. I just, I just want phones to be exciting again. And uh, no, I agree. You know, I, I, you know, I'm constantly getting these in for review and, you know, I, I got the Pixel 4a, which is nice. And by nice. the way, my wife did drop it in the toilet and it didn't break. That's oh, good. Nice. But, you know, nothing exciting about it. It's just, no, it works. But it's a it's nice 350 phone. bucks. That's super. Yeah, exciting. Or like the, you know, That's the phone you were talking exciting. about earlier, the iPhone SE. These are, you know, you can now get a good That's a phone, great phone for under $400. Yeah. So, yeah. It's all the same guts as the uh, current iPhone 11. It's not, you know, it's a good smaller. phone. It's just smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which in some ways is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, I never really <laughs> uh, used to be because I was the tech guy and the gadget guy back in the early days. Uh, people would always ask me about phones. This is when they were like, you know, the Nokia flip phone. It's like, I don't do phones, man. <laughs> and, then, and then not cool. Man. Not cool, man. I don't talk about phones. That's, I talk about computers, man. And then the iPhone. Yeah, exactly. There it is. This That's is one a, of my newer ones. I, I had, I had <laughs> well, Ira, what is with you and old phones? He's got one of those old giant battery things, and the oh, yeah. the microphone flips out. Goes with that typewriter okay. behind you. 
Love it. I think I've showed you this one here. The camera on this is really hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's How does uh, that work. I don't, I don't get it. And it even has a dial. I asked my yeah. Well, look at that. So isn't it funny how these tropes from devices that anybody under 25 has never seen before, like never dial the phone? And I asked my daughter, she's 28, so I said, lose it. do people in your generation do this, do the call me thing? Because their phones have never had an earpiece and a microphone piece. She said, nobody does that. It's old people who do that. You know, it's call me. Yeah, call me. Yeah, put a flat... Put a flat. It's not the hang loose. Nobody does that anymore. That's well, also very few people are actually holding the phones up to them. Yeah, it's all well. That was the other thing. Video, video. Yeah. Thing, yeah. What is that all about? That's the most annoying thing in the world. You put the person on speaker, and then you it's hold awful. the phone to your mouth, and you talk like that, and the whole world hears every bit of your conversation. That was basically. Um, I have to say, that's the thing I've seen the older generation do once they got to these phones. Oh, it's um, old folks. Okay. It's old. It, 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 well, because it's that. easier to My hear. My dad does that yeah. big time. And it's easier yeah. to hear. And I and, and actually, it, it disappoints me. I mean, it's ridiculous that he does it all the time. And there are people who I'm always like, do they know that they're on speakerphone right now? <laughs> who are like <laughs> talking know. to him? You know what I mean? And I'm like, I, I guess most of them probably know. But, I, but that is like a huge failure, I feel like, of modern tech companies in in terms of dealing with folks who have, want a smartphone but can't hear it through the no, tiny little speaker. I also think well, nobody wants to press the square of glass against their it's cheek. Flat. Yeah. That is not a comfortable... If I That's have to good. talk on the phone like this for any length of time, I'm very unhappy. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. So and that's partially probably part of the rise of like wireless earbuds and everything too. Yeah. Like it is the easier way. I've always had headphones plugged in. Like I, I can't remember the last time I've had a long conversation with my phone held up, you know, normally. And how about wired? Is that gone? Is that dead? Wired I headphones. I think for most people, wired yeah. headphones. Yeah, for yeah. most people probably. See, so that's um, when I saw yeah. the Duo, one of the things Microsoft showed, and I was kind of surprised, is a woman making a phone. First of all, they keep saying it's not a phone, but one of the big things was this woman holding it to her face, and it's big. It looks like a piece of lumber. It's wide. So it's wide. wide. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought no one is going to use it that way. They're all going to have earbuds in. And yes. you know what? It's going to look great because it's going to look like a little laptop. It's going to be slightly open. And you'll have the keyboard there. You might have the person's face on one screen and an app on another. It's going to be a very nice phone. You know, I think COVID-19 has been a great advertising for Apple AirPods. Almost everybody you see on Everybody TV on now CNN, on MSNBC. Are... They're right. all wearing, except for the Fox people. They've all got phones with dials <laughs> held on to their head. <laughs> probably, they're probably using, using the ones I have. they got a banana phone. <laughs> I should like be yours. on Fox. Why, I miss my call. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, <laughs> I, actually, the the truth is, old people, what you do is you pair your phone to your hearing aids. Right. And, and that's, ooh, do that. it works nice. great. I, the first sure. time I ever saw anybody do it, I saw Steve Martin talking like this to his phone. I'm saying, Steve, you, if you put it to your ear, you could hear it. He said, no, no, it's I hear it in my hearing aids. And his phone yeah. is like down at his waist and he's talking to it. I said, oh, that's cool. I actually bought hearing aids just so I can do that. Well, I mean, that's what all the earbud stuff is moving towards that's now, too. Like going. the new Samsung yeah. Galaxy Buds. Like, yeah. yeah, that's what we, it is what we want. It is yeah. both great and kind of terrifying. Yeah. It's very much that Black Mirror episode where everybody just has earbuds on all the time and can't actually hear each other. We're all walking around. I, I just wish my Pixel Buds wouldn't keep popping out of my ear. I've yet to figure out. Do you have the new ones? Because uh, the new ones, they pop out. Everybody's hating the new ones. Do they drop yeah. out on you? 
Yeah, they drop out on the ground as I'm walking, and then I have to worry about, you know, did they get COVID when they hit the ground? So <laughs> yeah, apparently, I don't know if you get COVID through your ear. Yeah. Huh. That's yeah. interesting. This yeah. is why the necklace earbuds were always better, and we should stick with those, like, or at least keep those around. Oh, you know? It's annoying to have something around your neck. I, I like, so the thing, especially when I started reviewing wireless earbuds, it's where do you put them? When you need to talk to somebody, do you have to carry the case around well, all the time? Do you have to put it in your front pocket. That's and how many have I had lost? Yeah, Does anybody have any lost? data on how many people have oh my lost God. wireless? Well, I have data on me. I've lost three sets yeah. of AirPods. Exactly. Sure. Before I've I stopped. Yeah, before I stopped buying. Yeah, half of three sets. Yeah. You it's can buy. I didn't know this. Apple sells individual AirPods. Yes. <laughs> they. I wonder. I, I, we, did they do? Did they do the research on that and figure out how much money they were going to make? <laughs> do you think? No kidding. I, Probably, no probably kidding. part of it. And here's the thing: like wearing something around your neck isn't great, but when I was wearing those, I would they never fall on the floor. I put them down around like the Beats X, which is the other the undersung and unloved Apple, you know, earbuds. Uh, hang those around, and nothing happens to them. They're perfectly fine. I do. I like these. I got them on Amazon. Uh, Scott Wilkinson recommended them from a company called One More. And they have, well, actually, this may not be the ones, but they have a um, they have a necklace. They have a little, and the microphone's in the necklace, which is really great. Now, these aren't them. Let me see if I can find them. The microphone's in the necklace. So the microphone's closer to your mouth. It just makes sense. But it just, it feels kind of, it looks like I'm wearing a weird collar. It feels... Sure. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a, these, these right here. So she's wearing them and they, they go around your neck. Like you got yeah. a little dog I collar. I don't like the collars, but the Beats X, there, there are a whole bunch, like the ones actually to the left of what you were looking at. Um, the ones without the collar with just like a clean wire all the way around. Oh, Great. so it like Fantastic. the original pixel buds where they're, they're attached. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, then when you let go, they just hang around your neck. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then of Best course you could get one of these guys, which would allow you to plug in a regular Old-fashioned headphone. No, no. You know, if that's no, what you want to do. No, no. We actually, with the removal of the headphone jack, Apple has really created a problem, I think. I don't know what the good solution is. I do wear those Aftershocks. They were an advertiser for a while. They're over ear. They don't go in your ear because they're bone conductance. And so you can wear them all the time. And then you just, you hear things and everything's normal. But you can also hear a phone call or music or voice. Hmm. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's legal. In California, you're not allowed to wear earphones when you're driving. But see, these aren't in your ears, so I don't. I think they would be legal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're specifically for runners, bicyclers, anybody who I wear them because then my wife could talk to me while I'm listening to something. They're not great for music, but they're fine for voice, and they're actually really good for phone calls. I don't know. I just I feel like we took away the headphone jack without a really good replacement. <laughs> I don't know what. Don't worry, the Apple ear implants are coming soon. That's what we need, baby. Plug it right in. John, we have a, a promo, operation. right? We have a promo. Let's take a break and watch a little video that we made of some of the fun things that happened this week. Previously on Twit. A stunning Star Wars shirt, I might add. Uh, Rebel Alliance symbols. It's got all-terrain armor transports. It doesn't pick sides. <laughs> Only a Sith believes in absolutes. Yes. This is my permanent Star Wars, so I think I got Whoa! <laughs> Tech News Weekly. I just got the Samsung Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. That is a mouthful. And is it also a handful? handful? Yeah! Yes. You got it. Windows Weekly. So clear at this point that Trump is completely puppet mastering 
this oh, TikTok yeah. thing. Because <laughs> now you've got Oracle in the mix. It will slot in right between their database products and what, what the hell does this company even make? Java's, <laughs> Java. Mac Break Weekly. I think both Apple and Epic forget in this that they are responsible for a huge dependency it's for an many ecosystem. other... Yeah, and if either Apple or Epic does anything to jeopardize the Unreal Engine, it's not just them who suffer. Hands on Android. Today I want to talk you through sideloading of apps. There are times when you might want an app outside of the Play Store. Take Fortnite, for example. Oh. Twit. Mm. Some assembly required. <laughs> Fortnite, eh? I hear that's a pretty good game. I'm going to try that. Uh, thank you, all of you for a great week on uh, Twit, and don't forget a whole bunch more great stuff uh, coming up in the week to come. Let's take a tiny break. We'll get back with more of the stories of the week. Our show today uh, brought to you by our good friends at Salesforce. Salesforce, in particular, the Salesforce Service Cloud. Salesforce Service Cloud wants you to be prepared during these unknown times. I understand you're trying to do more with less resources, fewer resources. You're hustling to adapt to new customer needs. And you've got to innovate business to respond to the current environment. It all really comes down to satisfied customers, right? That's your business. That means you need a platform that performs quickly and efficiently to meet the customer's needs. That's why Salesforce Service Cloud is the world's number one customer service platform. It lets organizations deliver service however your customers want it, anywhere, anytime. Works fully out of the box, could be completely customized. You make it work for you. You can respond to customer needs on any channel they want, whether it's chat, SMS, WhatsApp, Facebook, Messenger. You could do it from home, in the field, at the office. You can provide instant support with self-service portals Let's customers, often customers prefer to do that. They want articles, account info, other community members to help them find answers. It helps you do that. It's got built-in AI chatbots that'll help you without a lot of work on your part to resolve customer issues quickly. And then your service team, of course, gets the tools they need to provide an unforgettable customer uh, experience. You're going to resolve cases faster with their suite of intelligent productivity tools. It gives your user agents, your customer service agents, a complete shared view of every customer, every interaction. You can use the capability of personalizing every customer conversation so it's not a cookie cutter. And your agents can always respond with exactly the right level of service. I don't care how big or how small you are. Serving customers is job one. And there's no better, more fast, flexible platform than the Salesforce Service Cloud. You want to be a trailblazer. You want to provide world-class service anytime, anywhere, whether through messaging, chat, phone, self-service, or in person. You need the Salesforce Service Cloud. We're a Salesforce house, and this is one great way we could provide support to all of our users. Over 150,000 companies keep their customers happy with Salesforce. Provide your customer service agents with a fast, flexible service platform that keeps you and your customers happy. And as you can see, it's, it's very easy to set up and very easy to use and very affordable. Bitly is the link bit.ly slash Salesforce for service, all one word. bit.ly slash Salesforce for service to find out how the world's number one service platform can help grow your business. bit.ly slash Salesforce for service. It's vishing. Vishing is the new threat. Vishing. 
Watch out. The FBI and CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, who I've never heard from before, but apparently they exist, on Thursday issued a joint alert to warn about vishing attacks. You've heard of phishing with a mm-hmm. PH. You heard of spear phishing. Now, vishing with a V, it's voice phishing. And we're seeing more and more of this, in particular with work at home, as a way to get VPN credentials. And of course, once you got the VPN and the credentials, you can log into the company network and it's yours, baby. It's all yours. Um, what they're doing is they're setting up phishing sites, traditional phishing sites that have the target company's name, dash, service, or support, or dash, ticket, like twit-service.com. And then they do social engineering. They actually make voice calls, uh, especially new hires at the targeted company. And they say things like, uh, yeah, we're, uh, I know you're on our VPN platform right now. We're about to move platforms. We want to, uh, of course, bring your account over so this is seamless for you. So I need uh, your login and I need your password so we can move you over. And apparently it's very effective. Uh, they're using unattributed voiceover IP address uh, phone numbers. They uh, call employees on their personal cell phone. Um, and then once they, once they succeed, they can expand the tech to incorporate spoofed numbers of other offices and employees. So it looks like it's coming from Dan and accounting. Um, they, they will pose as uh, the IT help desk. Um, they'll use what they already know about the employee's personally identifiable information, name, position, duration of company. Hey, uh, this is uh, this is Joe, right? You just joined. You've been here six weeks, right? Um, I think you're working from home. Is your are you living still living on Claxton Street? Yeah. So we've moved the VPN. We need your uh, account login. Okay. And by the way, I'm I'm getting um, the um, the uh, two factor. Is it is the digit? Are you getting the six digits six four three nine one one? You're not? What are you getting? Oh, I'm sorry. All right, I better reset that. Okay. Well, thanks, Dan. We got you set up. You'll be on the new VPN soon. Thank you. And of course, you'd me. be very good at this. I'm good at yeah. it, aren't I? <laughs> You're good. Take, That's take, believable, take right? That's take believable. Yeah. Uh, it, they get through the two factor. They get through, and uh, I mean, this is awesome. It's very effective, and apparently, it's becoming a big problem. And of course, once they're in, they can put ransomware on the network. They can they can put rats on the network. They can keep an eye on everything going on. Brian Krebs has a good article on this. Uh, I mention it probably because it's a good idea for you who, who listen to our show. You're too smart to fall for this, but maybe it's time to mention this to your company or your uh, coworkers. Be suspicious of unsolicited phone calls or email messages or texts or even visits. Sometimes they come to your door. Uh, and and whatever you do, do not give them the login to your VPN. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, it's also a problem because people post stuff on social networking uh, kind of blithely, and that's you know a great resource. Um, so there was our that's our security warning for the week. Vishing. I vish you Sounds do not like have. A, a, yeah. What is it? It's a. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the accent is, but it's, it's I like vishing. it. It's vishing. I wish to suck vishing. your blood. 
I wish, yeah. He said, I come to wish you. Bidi, bidi, bici, bishing. Bici, that's right. That's uh, Caesar. I think it was Caesar said that. Yeah. I came, I saw, I, came, I, I saw, bished. I saw, I bish. I'm a little, about this. as long as I'm on Krebs on security, I'm a little miffed about this one. We talked a little bit about it on security now as well. Microsoft has known about a zero day for two years poo-pooed it for two years, even though it was being exploited. They only fixed it on August 11th on their patch Tuesday. It was one of the record number 120 security holes fixed last Tuesday. And this is a bad vulnerability, which was discovered a long time ago. Um, and I think I know why it happened. I think I finally figured out why it happened. So the way you would exploit this is you would take an MSI file. Those are the installer files Microsoft uses on Windows. And those are authenticated. Uh, they use authenticate, authenticate certificates to validate it. So it won't run if, if the certificate doesn't match. But Microsoft left a little loophole in that. And I think it's for localization. So you've got the installer file. It's all written in English, but maybe you uh, want to make it available in China as well or Japan. So you, it, there's a cap capability to add at the end of a file the localization strings for different languages. And that's always been part of MSI. Here's the problem. You're now modifying it. You'd have to get a new certificate. So Microsoft said, no, no, no. We'll do the authentic code on the main thing. We'll assume that the sidecar with localization strings, that's harmless. We'll just, we won't bother including that in the certificate. Well, it didn't take long before people realized two things. First of all, you could put anything at the end of one of these MSI files. And Microsoft would you'd say, yeah, it's fine. It's not modified in any way we think is significant. But then the second big realization was, it turns out Java, I didn't know this, but Java looks at jar files, starts at the back, because that's where the symbols are, and then looks for the, the code to jump to main. It looks at the back. It doesn't start at the front. Most programs run from the front to the back. It runs from the back to the front. So some wise guy a couple of years ago said, oh, look, if we do a simple copy, <laughs> literally a copy, you copy an MSI file, to a jar file, a malicious Java file. It'll join them two together. The authentic code signature will still work. Somebody who runs that file will think they're running a Microsoft installer file. In fact, they're running a jar file, and Java will jump in and execute the end. And you're in. Uh, this literally was discovered two years ago. Uh, by uh, Bernardo Quintero from uh, Virus Total. He's the manager over there. It's a Google service that scans submitted files. He wrote a blog post January 15th, 2019, explaining how it works. Uh, according to Quintero, Microsoft's security team said, yeah, that, that's right, but that's intended behavior, so we're not going to address it. <laughs> Almost sounds like it was a backdoor meant for somebody. Well, that's the other the other theory yeah. is maybe the NSA said, yeah, it'd be nice if you left that. Yeah, we really need it. Because, you know, you could mm -hmm. you could easily fix this. You just say, no, no, you can't. <laughs> you can't just add anything arbitrarily to the back of an MSI file. Uh, and they have fixed it. Uh, apparently, they fixed it because it was being used uh, regularly uh, by bad guys. 
Um, not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Not great. Not no, great. no, Bob. Reminds me of uh, I, I don't know if this is the same thing, but did you guys see the story about the secret uh, government iPod? Yes. Yeah, I heard about that. I wonder like how many of these weird, you know, agreements and things happen between these companies and the government. I, I have never to say, know. I hadn't really thought about that, but of course, if the NSA is using yeah. that to actively exploit somebody. And Microsoft says, well, we better fix this. They might say, it would be nice if you left that <laughs> flying around a little bit longer. Yeah. yeah. Nevertheless, I think that's not a good policy because, of course, a lot of people are going to get bit by that. It's not a surprise. We have a massive ransomware problem right now. Mm -hmm. Garmin and the latest Canon lost uh, photos, lots of people's photos because they got bit by ransomware. Oh, speaking of losing photos, here's another one. <laughs> this is so annoying. Uh, it didn't bite me, but just by the luck and the grace of God, it didn't bite me. If if you use Lightroom on iOS, an update wiped out all your photos and presets. And, and Adobe said, yeah, well, and they're not, I, you can't recover that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oops, we're sorry. What was that, Bob? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't know how many people were bit by this, but if you, a lot of people, I think, use Lightroom now on iOS. It's a nice, it's a really good way to do your photos. Mm -hmm. If you did what Adobe wants you to do, which is use Adobe Cloud and sync your photos and presets, you're okay. It would have been saved. But if you didn't, because you didn't want to spend the money, um, then this photo, this update, pfft, just clobbered it all. Yeah. This is Wouldn't like it be a shame my, my... if that happened again. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is directly related or not, but the, like I, my brother was visiting me recently and he, he said he was, uh, he has a laptop that's ancient, an Apple laptop that's ancient. And I was like, well, why don't you get a new one? And he said, I'm worried about all my iTunes music and how I won't be able to like put it anywhere for me to listen to. <laughs> and I feel like there's this thing that's, that's happening. I mean, where you you upload all of your stuff into the cloud and 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 whatever and you could potentially lose all of it it just seems like you should be able to have like a hardened backup for that yeah right i worry like about the company that with my should money. build it for you and yeah well actually and and, and so if you like used adobe's backup you'd be okay but the problem is it's expensive and right. and the problem also is i don't you know i wonder if you backed up your ipad would you still have it i don't know I mean, if you, I would think you would. Um, I don't know. I, I worry about like, you know, I'm not so much worried about somebody hacking into my bank account and stealing my money. I just have this fear that one day my bank is going to lose all records of how much money I have. And, and how do I prove to them that I really do have? It actually yeah. actively terrifies me, Larry, because you and I are getting to an age where we've, we're, you know, our savings are what we're going to live on right. pretty soon. Right. Our exactly. retirement savings. And uh, I actually do keep printouts of my, uh, you know, I once in a while I go and print out. So I can say, no, look, I got this much money. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I maybe I should move it, like split it up into 10 parts. I guess that's what some people do. Yeah. That's inconvenient. Yeah. I don't know what no, I'm going to do. My whole I've got this investment portfolio. It's all of one company. And if they ever lost. Yes, me too. Me, exactly. How can I prove it? It's my entire net worth. My whole, my, whole, my whole net worth. Yeah. All $15.26. <laughs> so the secret iPod is an interesting story that kind of came out um, 
from a former iPod engineer, David Shayer. He was the second software engineer hired in 2001. And uh, he no longer works for Apple, but he, he, he posted on uh, Tidbits a post saying, you know, a funny, a funny thing happened to me back in 2005. Uh, the director of iPod software, my boss's boss, without knocking, walked in, closed the door behind me. He said, I have a special assignment for you. Your boss doesn't know about it. You're going to help two de- engineers from the Department of en- en- Energy build a special iPod. Report only to me. The next day, these two guys, Paul and Matthew, show up. Uh, they, he said, I would like to say they wore dark glasses and trench coats, but they were perfectly normal. 30-something engineers. They went to the conference room. They actually didn't work for DOE. They worked for a contractor, Bechtel. They wanted to add some custom hardware to an iPod to record data from this custom high, uh, hardware to the iPod's disc in a way that would be invisible. So the iPod had to look and work like a normal iPod. You wouldn't be able to see the data if you mounted the iPod. They would do all the work. I was just there to help, to consult. So he never did learn what it was for. But what could it be for? And you can think of actually the spy uses for this, right? No, mm-hmm. you know, you're going into a top secret nuclear installation. You're going to get a tour. Or no, maybe it's not a nuclear installation. Maybe it's just a medical facility or something uh, innocuous. You're going to get a tour and they're going to look at you. They're going to search you and say, what is this? Oh, it's iPod. I love iPod. Britney Spears, America, great country. And you put it back in your pocket and say, yeah, maybe they're really careful and they plug it in and play something. Let me listen. Oh, I love Britney Spears. No problem. Put it back in. And it turns out it's, uh, he suspected, maybe a Geiger counter. Yeah. We'll never know because there is no, there's no record of this. It's all been wiped out. It, just, it happened and no one knows. So you're right. I we have our own conspiracy theories. Yeah. Maybe. It probably happens yeah, a lot. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to be a right winger to have a conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> it was the fifth generation iPod, the iPod with video. Fairly easy to open the case and close it without leaving obvious marks. Plus 60 gig drive. Lots of room to record extra data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the hackable one, the one they didn't sign, I think that was the last oh, one. Oh, that right? was key, right. They didn't yeah. have to sign it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the software could be modified without any issue. Nowadays, you can't do that. You have to get Apple to sign it. It would be much more complicated. I don't know. It's a cool story. The custom iPod cool story. that never existed. Only four people at Apple knew about it. <laughs> Uh, me, the director of iPod software, the vice president of the iPod division, and the senior vice president of hardware. None of us still work at Apple. There was no per- paper trail. All communication was in person. In fact, he could be making this up completely. <laughs> this sounds like an episode of Mission Impossible. It does. Your mission. Yeah. This iPod will self-destruct in 10 minutes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's went take one more break and then we'll talk about Lyft and Uber because the And also, ba- can we talk about air quality uh, at some point during after the break? Yeah, I want to show this site you found. This is really cool. Yeah. It really only applies to us in Northern California because we can't Well, no, breathe. Idaho. It, it, it act, the the air quality has been the air is going east. And uh, Oh, so they're getting the smoke from our fires. Some some people are, yeah. Eastern Sorry. Idaho. Sorry about that. 
Yeah. We are literally here as we sit in the Twit Studio surrounded by active wildfires that are, for the most part, not under control in any way. So if I suddenly jump out and run out of the studio, <laughs> uh, you'll know why. There was a, there's a, uh, chat room knows uh, this link to this. There's a webcam somewhere that was on the fire line. And it's, 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 it's a pretty dramatic picture of just a flame wall of fire and then it went offline. You can see why. Yeah, you can see why. Our show today brought to you by Monday.com, a team management platform that is awesome if you're working in a distributed team these days. In fact, that's probably the way it's going to be forever right now. Uh, your team can plan, manage, and track work in one centralized place, know exactly what's going on, who's doing what, how they're doing, easily, automatically. You can collaborate with teammates. You could track everything your team's working on wherever you are, and they have templates for every industry. There's a podcast template. Ben, you should take a look at this. So if you work with a team of five people or 5,000, Monday.com is the easiest way to keep everybody connected and on track. It's a project management platform that makes effective teamwork possible anywhere, even from home. You keep all, And nowadays, I honestly think even after COVID, this is just going to be the way people do stuff. So many companies are using it. We're using it now. It's really cool. Keep your team's work in one place. Uh, no matter where the team is, they'll all have one single source of truth they can look at. That It's easy to track and manage work so you always know who's doing what and when it's due and, and what, what their progress is. It's also, you can eliminate check-in meetings because you don't. Have, you just go to the dashboard. You say, oh, I see exactly where we stand. It's a great way to onboard new team members and get up to speed instantly. You'll get up to speed with remote-ready templates. They're already built in. And you can even get uh, uh, an onboarding specialist to work with you. We got Eddie to work with us. It was really cool. And, and incorporate it. He'll, he'll help you set it up or she'll help you set it up so that it works for you. It works with everything you're already using. You don't get rid of anything. We use Zoom. We use Slack. We use email calendars. We're big on Google Docs. All of that just integrates automatically. In fact, they have no-code automations so that your workflow is completely uh, automated. You don't even have to do anything. But you've got this single dashboard. You've got all these places you're working, but you've got this single dashboard that says exactly where you stand. And if you are using data to decide, if you're planning if you if you you can make data driven decisions easily because you don't have to guess you've got all the data right in front of you progress timelines budgets in any form you like i know some people like gantt charts they've got that but they've got timelines they've got kanban boards uh if you like using kind of tables like spreadsheets they've got that too any form you want that's what's beautiful about this it's very customizable makes it very easy to use you can, you can make it work the way you work. You can use the tools you already use, but now you've got a dashboard that tells you exactly where you stand. No wonder 100,000 teams are already getting things done with Monday.com. You could try it free for two weeks. It'll change the way you work online with a centralized place everyone can use to keep track of what's going on. Let Monday.com take care of the things that slow you down, free you up so you can focus on the work that gets you excited. Start your free 14-day trial right now. Monday.com slash twit. Monday, M-O-N-D-A-Y dot com slash twit. It's slick. Works really It looks well. satisfying to use. The graphics look good. Yeah, it's pretty. It's what we used to call Web 2.0. What is, is it? Web 3 now with 4, 5? What version of the... Gosh. What the version of the web are we at right now? I don't know. 
think 0.1 at this point going backwards. This is one of the first <laughs> times in weeks we haven't had a uh, somebody works for CNET or uh, uh, do you work for in gadgets? No, you're you're part of Oath, no. right? Uh, no longer Oath. It's Verizon Media. Okay. So, yeah. I'm so confused. Apparently, <laughs> Viacom CBS, the old CBS Interactive, is, is thinking about selling CNET. Uh, but can you believe it's worth half a billion dollars? <whistles> According to the Wall Street Journal, they're talking to Red Venture, a digital-focused holding company. It's always a holding company. I don't know why. Uh, it's not the first thing uh, Viacom CBS has sold off since the merger. They sold off Simon and Schuster. They sold me off a few weeks ago. They sold off Larry Magid. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, by the way, didn't uh, CBS paid over a nearly oh, yeah. two billion dollars for uh, season? So that's yeah, let's this is a bad mention, thing. Let's not mention that. <laughs> this is bad. This is bad for right. that. They yeah. will be losing about a billion and a half dollars on the deal. Okay. Yikes! Not so good. Yikes! Not so good. All of these big mergers seem to pan out poorly, don't they? Yeah, the Viacom mm-hmm. CBS merger did not pan out well for a lot of employees. Well, yes, that initially for employees, know. but ultimately, yeah. I think the companies also don't fare that well. I think you know the HP Compact deal or the Time Warner, uh, oh, the AOL deal. AOL deal. Yeah. You know, hey I mean, guys, right. I don't know what you're talking about. I think the Verizon. Oh, it's such a good deal. Such a good deal. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it worked great. Of course, it did. <laughs> Look at and gadgets. Actually, you know where it does work well, where they give you autonomy, where, sure. where they don't try to shoehorn you into a larger corporate structure. And I think that's what's happened with a gadget, right? They've kept the personality. I, mean, I, I don't know how the the stuff works up top, but generally, yeah, with the, nobody's causing problems with us, which is nice. I'm just going to wait. Uh, eventually, uh, this holding company will want to sell it, and I might be able to buy CNET, which would be a great yeah. – <laughs> we'll do a Kickstarter. It would be just a great full circle kind of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about Uber and Lyft. It's on and it's off. It's on again. Uh, I think they got an injunction. Appeals court has – for a while, Lyft said, we're, we're leaving. Uber said, we're leaving California. But the appeals court is now – put on hold the co- requirement that the company uh, Lyft and Uber treat their employee drivers as employees and not contract employees. Right. All of this comes from AB5, uh, a very controversial bill from the California State Oof. Legislature, which... A bill that's cost me a lot of money. Yeah. Not yep. as an employer, yep. as an employee, as a contractor. I've actually had yep. to create an LLC so I could continue writing a weekly column for the Mercury News because they couldn't pay me as a freelancer anymore. So now I have to pay hundreds of dollars a year in ex- extra fees that I wouldn't have had to pay otherwise to the state. Devinder, so do you have do you have contractors in California? Do you have employees? I don't. I don't know how it works for us, but I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of freelancer friends yeah. who are based in California and working in entertainment in Hollywood. And it's been a nightmare. And I honestly right. have no idea how California keeps pushing through this, even though everyone's saying you're killing freelancers by doing right. this. I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think the initial instinct here was to protect employees who are treated as contractors when they're really employees so that the company can avoid paying benefits. Uh, And and I think it was particularly aimed at Uber and Lyft. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but it had really unintended consequences against a lot of people in our business who want to be freelancers. Right. 
and Facebook, and my son's a musician, and he hires musicians, so that's causing a real problem in in that world as well. You know, you know, you hire a guy to do you know one session, you have to make an employee. I mean, that's kind of a, a nutty. And I, they may have they may have made some exceptions. They made one exception with journalism, if you can write up to thirty five times a year. But again, if you're writing a weekly column, then you've got to be either become an employee or set up an LLC. <laughs> Those of us in, Cal in California see pretty much constant advertising from. Uber, Lyft, Instacart, and DoorDash because they have a ballot measure that's a good, we're going to vote on November 3rd, Prop 22, that would create a third category of employment, which would include some benefits. There'd be a minimum wage, auto insurance, vehicle maintenance costs, a health care stipend. Uh, this is basically Uber and Lyft's response. Well, we want to keep these guys, but we want to create this category. And we'll kick in a little bit. The uh, they've spent now more than 110 million dollars on the Yes on 22 campaign, and I've seen those ads. And you know the ads are heart tugging. I'm a single mom, and the only way I can keep my kids, uh, I want to be home for them when they're at school in school. But uh, the only way I can keep our family afloat is to work on my schedule, and that's what DoorDash lets me do. I see these ads all the time. I will be shocked if 22 does not pass. Mm -hmm. We'll see. So Uber and Lyft get a little reprieve until this this vote can happen. You know, but one thing I do want to say, though, is that one of the reasons why this bill got through is because big companies like Facebook and Google and I think Apple employ people who work for contractors and pay them less, give them fewer benefits, and they do exactly the same kind of work as regular employees do. So yeah. it's not as if there isn't a problem. I don't want to, you know, suggest, no, that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yes. not well motivated. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say a lot. There's a lot of this in in public radio land. Of, of people, you know, and there are all these sort of strange rules The whatever a thousand hours when I worked in, in New York at WMYC, there was a thousand hours rule. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, folks who are essentially contractors, but they're doing the same jobs as the folks who are not contractors. And the company just doesn't, you know, doesn't seal the deal with them and make them true employees and gets away with it. Um, it's a problem. It would have uh, put John C. Dvorak out of work because he, he wrote, I think when I was working with him on the radio, he was very famously wrote a column a day for one journal or another. I mean, he wrote <laughs> literally a column every, I don't think he wrote a whole lot of them, but a, a column a day. And he was an employee of any of these places, but he made a very nice living doing that. And I don't see why somebody shouldn't be allowed to do that, but with some protections, I guess, uh, against another predatory companies. If you're a private contractor... You have certain tax advantages like office at, office at home, the ability right. to write off your car. Right. Those go away when you become an employee. So, again, I'm not saying that there wasn't a reason, but you really have to think of the unintended consequences sure. yeah. of the jobs like this. Well, not to mention you have to start paying uh, – well, the company pays half your uh, social security. They, that's so the good news. That's the good news. Yeah. But your tax benefit – You know, part of the problem exists, honestly – Really, this is a band-aid to cover the real big problem here, which is that most people in the United States get their health care through an, a job yes. as an yeah. employee. And so if you're a contractor, you don't have health care. And that's a big problem. We could solve this as Canada has, as Britain has, as every major <laughs> developed nation in the world has. Leo, we cannot get this country to wear masks. <laughs> We're not... How hard is it going to be to get actual? My friend Rene Ritchie is—it's awesome. Yeah. He lives in Quebec, and he yeah. said, "You know, I don't want to stop working as an employee for iMore. I'd like to do my own thing on YouTube." And one of the key factors in his decision is I don't have to pay for health care because yep. I'm in Quebec. I have nationalized health care. 
Mm-hmm. So I honestly think this is part of the, really, this is a symptom of a larger problem, which is that in America, your health care comes, in most cases, comes from your employer. And if you don't have an employer, you have to do it yourself. And that can be outrageously expensive. It's also a problem in, with, you know, historic unemployment that we're going through right now. Think of all of the millions of people who, for no fault of their own, lost a job, and they are also going to lose their health care as right. a result of that. Right. Fresh air quality is not something easily found here in the Bay Area right now. Um, Larry has a great piece in Forbes about a website. that This is a federal uh, website, fire.airnow.gov, or is it state? No, it's the EPA. No, it's federal. Yeah. It's, it's EPA, yeah. So, by the way, you can access this, this column through larrysworld.com so you don't have to hunt it, hunt it down at Forbes. But, yeah, the, what, so there, there's airnow.gov, which is what I've been using up until now. And when I, where I live in Palo Alto, if I click on airnow, it tells me my air quality. But it turns out that the sensor is in Redwood City, which is about 11 miles from here. Yeah. You know, and, it's funny because on my Apple completely different world. On my Apple phone, I got the air quality because I really want to know. I know it's bad. I can smell the smoke. And it's got me the air quality for Healdsburg, which right. is 20 or 30 miles away. That's not, And it's right in the middle of the fire. So, of course, it's going to be worse. Right. So, so with, with this fire.airnow.gov, if I get that right, you actually go to – they actually have microsensors – as they say, much less expensive and smaller. They're, I don't know if they're as accurate as the official EPA ones, but the, the EPA has backed this as, as a beta project, pilot project, and it will tell you, in my case, there, there's a sensor, I think, on my block because when I go there on the map, it's right next to my house. I see you know, what the conditions are, so I'm getting a much more local one. There are others too. I think Purple Air is a, is a crowdsourced I've used Purple Air. This. In fact, last time we had the fires, I went to Purple Air all the time. Yeah. But there are links to all these. In the, oh, in this, this is piece. interesting. So this is actually the nearest one to us is a purple air sensor. Mm-hmm. And it says our air quality is 152, which is not good. You do not want to be breathing that. Oh, I didn't realize that purple air was part of the – so they're part of the EPA network. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one nearest us. Here's another one that's uh, not so far away. Let's see if that's also purple air. Yeah, that's another purple air. 151. Yeah, it's not good. And by the way, you can buy these purple air sensors for they start at about one hundred ninety-seven dollars. If you want to, I wouldn't have mind. To have your own. Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing uh, although, that. Although I have a Dyson air purifier, which will give me the air quality in my home. I'm not sure how accurate it is, but apparently it's okay in my house. Yeah. This this map is also useful because it has also little flames where the fires are and and uh, this is one of the problems we have there's fires to the east of us fires to the west of us fires to the north of us fires to the south of us there's not really anywhere we can go stuck in the middle with you stuck in the middle with flames uh, but i think because of where twit is we're probably all right john we're surrounded by paved park you know we're in an office park so there are some trees at home might be a little different. John, you're all right. You're in downtown. I don't think you're going to be. I think you're going to be okay. Um, my house, however, is surrounded by acres of dry grass. <laughs> That's not flammable, is it? The, the only good news about this air pollution is that we all have masks now. And so if, if you're <laughs> too stupid to wear a mask for COVID, wear one for air pollution. The funny thing is I had masks at the beginning of this COVID because I still had leftover right. N95 masks from the last time we had fires. Me too. It was the Me wrong too, kind. 
It was the one yeah, the without bound valves. Valve. Yeah. Well, what I do is I wear a, a cloth mask over my N95. <laughs> that doesn't so look that weird it, at all. Doesn't, I don't care the way it looks. John, I just don't want to get it or give it. John and I, did you buy the uh, UV mask? John and I bought a $100 Kickstarter mask. And I think that they made their, uh, I know I got charged just the other day. Yeah. I think they made their goal. It is a mask. It is an active mask. Let me see if I can find it. Well, actually, I should be able to just click. Yeah, all day active UVC filtering. This thing, it has a battery. and It's probably going to weigh eight pounds. <laughs> and it's got a little vortex that uh, it passes all the air you're breathing through the vortex. And then uh, UVC filter, uh, not filter, light. Mm -hmm. So it's purifying it. So it would be no good against smoke, John. It's not going to do anything for smoke, but we won't get. Uh, but then we won't get COVID. This Let's is hope the new by the hot time trend, by the way. The active masks, yeah. Yeah, this is cuckoo. I don't know. We both ordered it just for fun. I think. See, up until recently, I wouldn't have ordered this because I would have thought that COVID's going to go away. But now I'm not convinced. It's, it's going to go, go away. away. It is going to go away. Yeah, like like magic. Like magic. It may not yeah. be till next year, but it's going to. I'm actually. Oh, next, actually it you know what? Uh, the Spanish flu misnamed because it came. I think we, they think it came from Kansas. The Kansas mm -hmm. flu in 1918, not 1917. Sorry, that's a movie. In 1918, is still with us. Mm. That's H1N1. Mm -hmm. That's our flu. But it just uh, it uh, as as you know, one of the problems with these flus is uh, they they uh, they metastasize. No, what is the word I'm trying to remember? They evolve. Mutate. The, uh, they evolve. They mutate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it evolved to a less deadly form, the uh, H1N1 bug, but it's still endemic. It's still all over the place. It's never and it still kills people. Still kills it's people. It's less yeah. deadly, but it people kills. still right. don't take the vaccines. We have the vaccines, and people still don't take yeah. it. So we may uh, we may have COVID. Well, vaccines forever. aren't perfect. What scares they're me not about perfect. the vaccines for COVID yeah. is if they're like the flu vaccine, yeah. they're going to protect about maybe half seventy percent of us. I'll still take it. You know, once it's effective and safe, but mm -hmm. right. it's not. It's no. It's no panacea. As Gollumman says in the chat room, the good thing is that the uh, pandemic, at least, it stopped World War Two. <laughs> World War II. No, it didn't. <laughs> Maybe prevented World War Three. <laughs> Maybe COVID will prevent World War Three. I told my wife, I said, you know, save the mask because I bet this isn't the last time we have a pandemic. Uh, I know that's the that's the thing you don't. That's the thought you don't want to utter. There's, I've been well, thinking the about thing that is, with my kids. Like I'm, my kids, they're three and three years and three months. And so I'm thinking if this, if we get a vaccine in the next year, they'll never remember this. That's but I'm true. worried that I'm worried that that's not what it's going to be. I'm worried that nope. it's going to be. And, 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 and it, I mean, I guess I suppose there's another you know, it's not a good way to look at it, but there is another way to look at it, which is if it happens over and over, then this is just their reality for the rest of their lives and they'll never know that it was actually better. Right. But, but remember, it's, it's, we've had SARS, we had MERS. We've already had uh, in the last 20 years a number of these. It just happened that they didn't escape. They didn't pan go pandemic just by virtue yeah. of, you know, their their uh, morphology. I think there's no reason the, to believe the that we'll... The the places those viruses hit, by the way, dealt with them properly, right? That's right. why Singapore and a lot of the Southeast Asian right. countries, they were able well, to deal with COVID quickly because right. they had gone through this whole process. Right. Um, yeah. 
in lots of places yeah. where people, people won't wear a mask now if they're sick. Yes. So yes. If we right? if we don't start if we don't use this as a lesson to start learning listening to scientists, climate change is going to get us anyway or get your kids anyway. That's oh no! Really hey, here's I just found out some good news. We don't have to worry about any of this because we're going to be clobbered by an asteroid the day before election day. <laughs> day before. The day before. Trump had a way to get out of it. NASA says, "Hey, here it comes." November 2nd, uh, Celestial Object 2018 VP1, which is a six-and-a-half-foot asteroid. Um, NASA said, look. That's fine. <laughs> it's only a 0.41% chance of it hitting us. I think the Democrats are doing that as a way to rig the election. <laughs> um, we just ha we say, have to tell you. We have to tell you. Chances are pretty good. It's not that big, six and a half feet. If it were to enter our planet's atmosphere, it would just disintegrate. So really, it's just a, a big ass shooting star. So it's just a very, very another major symbol of the hellscape of this year. Yeah, right. Like if, uh, if yeah, it weren't the year twenty twenty, I would I would not tell you this story. <laughs> but just our luck, <laughs> this is the one that's going to get us the day before election day. Uh, anyway, that's a nasty way to end this show, and I apologize. It's not. It's 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 gonna it's gonna burn up. You're gonna be. This fine. is why you should vote early, just in yeah, case. Oh yeah, good point. Oh, there left, you go. Competent running the country. Vote early. That's a good point. Yeah, you might not get a chance uh, on on Monday to vote on Tuesday. So vote on Sunday. That's a good. There you go. Yeah. Vote weeks before, please. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Why wait? Better message to end on. That's good. Vote <laughs> early. Uh, let's see. Ben Brock Johnson's at WBUR Radio, where he is executive producer of podcasts and a great guy. He's at the Brock Johnson, and uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. We appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. Likewise, it's great to yeah. see you all. Yeah, good to see you. Thank you, Larry Maggot. I'm glad you have had some fun at the Beeb. That's pretty yeah. prestigious. You're going yeah, from the Tiffany cool. Network to the Beeb. That's pretty yeah, good. But not as much fun as being on Twit. That's, that's, the, that's a lot of fun. Well, I don't know. Now you're prepared. If they ask you about that asteroid, you'll know exactly. 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 What do you talk? You talk about tech, right? Yeah, I do tech business. Yeah, like tech. And it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's kind of a fill-in position. I don't know how long I'm going to be there. But it, it made me feel good when I, you know, because what Hell happened yeah. was I posted on Facebook about the CBS thing. And somebody from the BBC had yeah. read that and said, hey, join us. Oh, I say You'd be jolly good on our show. Do they? Uh, do the questions they ask, are they different than the kinds of things you get asked in American media? Yeah, because I, I actually work out mostly out of the Singapore Bureau. They ask me a lot about Asia. They're very oh, interested in how this is going to affect China, how this is going to affect – or not China, but you know, they're really interested in TikTok and in China, a lot of, a lot of Asian orientation. So I've had to learn a lot more about tech in Asia than I ever knew before. Well, I think that you can make a case this might be the uh, Chinese uh, century. Uh, we shall see. Could be. Yeah. We shall see. Thank you, Larry. Great to have you on. ConnectSafely.org yep. is the site to remember. That's the site where you can find out how to protect your kids online. It's also a great place to find out what Larry's up to. ConnectSafely.org. And Devendra Hardwar, it's so great to talk to you from our from your new Atlanta satellite studio. Yeah. Beautiful. All prepping up here. It's it's all echo now, but eventually I will get more foam. I will get some things to make this room. Did you get proper, the perfect but, house. Yeah. Are you super happy? It's a it's really cute. I have not lived in a house for a very like since before college. So right, getting used to not being in an apartment and dealing yeah. with house maintenance, all that fun stuff. But hey, 
this is good. And I, I kind of wanted a safe zone to be prepared for this pandemic or future pandemic. So, hey, we have a we have a little zone. Which is I don't want to nice say now. anything, but 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 the city named yeah. Peachtree Corners does sound kind of like where the Stepford Wives might have. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I mean, every suburb is like that. Just keep every, an eye on your wife. I'm just terrifying. saying if she starts to seem a little <laughs> odd. OK, just I'm warning you. I'm warning you. Well, she's in she's a New Yorker. So I it a lot of it is getting her used to things. That's but, right. Yeah. This is Can your this is your neck of the woods, not hers. Yeah. So you're yes. coming home uh, i mean i, I grew up right. in hartford speaking of the bee, they need me on the air so i'm going to sign off all right take all right take care larry thank you sure. devendra thank, thank you. you so much great to talk to you ben thank yeah, you yeah likewise you all have Good a great hang. day stay safe you and, too man uh, maybe pretend you live in peach tree corners it just sounds like a nice place <laughs> to it's be very chill very chill very where chill. all the children are above average <laughs> take care guys we do twit every sunday afternoon right about 2 30 pacific 5 30 eastern uh that would be 21 30 utc if you can actually watch live or watch uh, listen to live stream not everybody does most people don't but it's kind of fun if you got something to do nothing to do on a of a of sunday afternoon or evening you can come by and if you're watching or listening live you should probably join us in the chat room that's where the conversation the back channel is irc.twit dot tv nice bunch of people there um and uh, of course uh, most people will want to listen on demand uh, i used to say for your monday morning commute i don't know how many of you are commuting but if you are or maybe you just you just want to have the show so you can listen to it on your way from the fridge to the uh, to the the den so you can watch uh, the next uh, oprah episode you can always download it from twit.tv our website you can always uh, get it from youtube.com uh the, what is that skype three there what is it looks like we were picking up satellite broadcasting i don't know what's going on there there's the website twit.tv best thing to do would be get a podcast application and subscribe that way you'll have all the episodes the minute they're available and there's a whole bunch of other wonderful shows on the twit network you might want to subscribe to them as well thanks everybody have a wonderful evening uh, a wonderful week we'll see you next time another twit is in the can bye-bye